Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone and welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7.01 and your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle Smallman. How are you doing? I am doing well. Randy Carricker, good morning to you. How about our Redbirds? 13-4 last night over the Reds and uh, it's just like when they play teams that they're supposed to beat, they really hammer teams that they're supposed to be. They do a really good job against uh, the the dregs of the National League. The St. Louis Cardinals are rocking and rolling. Both of them, yep. Both, both of them at once. And I said to you right before we came on the air, I'm concerned that September might be a little boring because... Even though I know Albert's chasing 700, you're going to have Wayne Yachty securing the all-time battery record, knock on wood. There's there's a lot of storylines that abound with this team, but they are just taking care of business left and right and separating themselves further and further from the Milwaukee Brewers. It's It might just be every morning you come in here, Randy, and you're like, the Cardinals won again. <laughs> but here is the advantage, though, to that situation, and I agree that the division race could be pretty boring, but the Cardinals, I think, might wind up chasing the Mets and the Braves and try to get a home home field uh, bye in that first round of the playoffs. After last night, the Cardinals a 13-4 winner over the Reds. They're four behind the Braves and seven behind the Mets. And the Mets, as we mentioned yesterday, still have a tough schedule left. The Cardinals have the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball. So maybe you get to September 15th and you're three behind the Mets and you're even with the Braves and all of a sudden things are really exciting. Well, there you go. That's a great spin zone, Randy. And um, I think that they could do it. And that might even be boring in itself that I just think that they are capable of catching the Braves and maybe even capable of catching the Mets. It's pretty amazing that this team is where they are. Last night, they go into the contest against the Cincinnati Reds, having taken two of three from Atlanta, and that was obviously huge. So you're playing a lesser team against a lesser crowd. Not as much energy in Cincinnati as there is here in St. Louis. I was just thinking about that, Randy. How brutal. To go from the, the you had on Sunday night at Bush Stadium, where when we were playing the clips yesterday, you could barely even hear some of the calls because the fans were so loud. And I know that there was rain and inclement weather, and it's a bad team, but gosh, was that a sad sight last night. But not for the Cardinals. Second inning, <laughs> scoreless game, and Tyler O'Neill stays hot. In center. <laughs> and O'Neill hits good. one a ton. Oh, my. Way out of here, and it's one to nothing. Cardinals on the 0-1 pitch. Tyler O'Neill with his 11th home run. One thing about Bro O'Neill, when he hits them, they go. <laughs> well, there's a lot of power behind that Ton, swing. Yeah, and maybe. a nice short swing. When he gets a hold of him and he's not striking out, and when he's healthy, he's a really good player. Tommy Edman doubled home a couple of more. Three nothing. It was six nothing after two. Then in the third, O'Neill reaches base for Albert. The next. 
Albert lifts it in the air out to deep right. At the wall. Gone. 694 on an opposite field home run. And it's history. The 450th different pitcher that Albert is homered against. He went opposite field at the age of 42. And I know in Cincinnati, it's not a big ballpark. But you're not supposed to be able to do that. And he did. He he continues to defy all of the odds and all of the expectations. As you heard Danny Mac just say, the 450th <laughs> different pitcher that Albert Pujols has homered off in his career. He passed Barry Bonds last night for the most all-time. Uh, how'd you like to be Ross Stettweiler? That's that's on your record that yeah, you were right. the guy. Number but, 450. But think about how many people that is. 450 people that this man <laughs> has homered off he of. victimized it, him. It's outrageous. Yeah, it's like in Mean Girls, raise your hand if yeah. you've personally been victimized by <laughs> Regina George. It's like in baseball, raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Albert Pujols. There's a lot of people on that list. So the Cardinals are up 8 to nothing, and then the Reds r- ripped Miles Michaelis. And this was not just a, a mild ripping. This was a big-time ripping <laughs> for four runs, three long home runs in the fifth inning. And it was an 8-4 game, and you're getting kind of worried. But guess who told us he's really, really hot in the sixth? And here is Tyler O'Neill on base twice tonight, and O'Neill hits another, his second of the night. Tyler O'Neill is red hot. Two-run homer, Tyler O'Neill, his second tonight into the seats in left. So it was 12 to four. Another wrong, long rain delay followed. Corey Dickerson homered to make it 13-4 in the ninth, and that was the final. The bullpen really good. Michelle, Chris Stratton, Zach Thompson, Jake Woodford combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings in the Cardinals' 13 to four route. All right, let's talk a little Tyler O'Neill, Randy. Do you feel like he's back? I know it's a small sample size, but as you heard Danny Max say, he is hot, hot, hot. Do we feel like he is in fact back? It feels like it did last year when he got going. And he's when he's having problems, it's not with the slider. That was always his bugaboo. He's just off. He has been off. But I feel like now it's 10 days that he's been pretty hot. I say, yeah, he is back. What do you think? He's homered in three of his last four games. And he's been coming up in clutch situations. He he is healthy. The swing looks right. I think he's back. And what a difference maker that is for this lineup. If you have that impact hitter. And you can get by with Dylan Carlson not even being in the lineup. Not only is he cold, but he's not even in the lineup. But if you have a 3-4-5 of Goldie, who's cooling off a little bit. He'll be back today, though. Arenado and O'Neal. That's as good as any 3-4-5 in the whole league. And... When I said off the top that this could get boring, I meant in the best possible way that it could get boring. But Mm -hmm. um, imagine if Tyler O'Neill is in fact hot and he is back and the Cardinals just absolutely are crushed. And the Reds are a a lesser opponent, but Mm -hmm. they're absolutely crushing opponents 13 to 4. When you can have a game like you had last night where Paul Goldschmidt goes 0 for 4 and you score 13 runs, pretty telling. Are we not giving Jeff Albert enough credit, Randy? We are not. We, no, we really he's aren't, a though. Stud. We have ripped him for many seasons, and this Cardinals offense has not had the true inconsistencies that it's had in the past few years when they decided to part ways with Mike Schilt for philosophical differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of what was happening behind the scenes, you knew at least in small part that there might have been different viewpoints on the offense and or the offensive approach and the Cardinals doubled down on on what they already had in Jeff Albert and what they had implemented organizationally and the offense has been great. They're scoring runs. Yes, Can't they are. deny that. And I put this up on Twitter this morning, Michelle, because we are heck, it's going to be September on Thursday. 
So that runway is running short. The Cardinals have the easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball. If the Cardinals go 17 and 16 against the easiest schedule in baseball, the Brewers would have to go 24 and 11 to tie them at 92 and 70. They're toast. Yeah, I don't think the Brewers are going 24 and 11. It doesn't matter what their schedule is. They're cooked. It's done. Yeah. Matthew? Uh, I think we can officially say suck at Pakoda. Yeah, I think they had Cardinals I, like I 80. So. I think they had Cardinals 88 this year, so uh, I think yeah. they're looking at like 90, 92. So yeah, yep. suck at Pakoda. It only took us till August 30th to say suck at Pakoda. Got him. Yep. And I want to give Robert Gordon credit on the Twitter machine at Robbie Fingers. This is fun. <laughs> Great name. Yeah, it is. Robbie Fingers. Robbie Fingers. He points out that it's August 29th, yesterday, 2022. Serena Williams won at the U.S. Open and Albert Pujols hit a home run. This also happened on August 29th, 2001. Oh my gosh, are you <laughs> when kidding? Serena defeated Denisa Chiagkova in the second round of the U.S. Open and Pujols win yard off of somebody named David Lundquist. And it's 2022. <laughs> and that happened in 2001. Randy, I, will, I have said it about Tom Brady. I will say it again. What are these people eating? What are, is the stretch? routine? Is it all in the sleep? Please tell me how you've been able to preserve yourself and your greatness for this long because every day I wake up, Brandy, and I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, it is coming. Life is coming fast and furious. And here they are doing things that they did in 2001. Right. But two things. It's their job to be in shape and they have better access to being in shape than they ever had. Adam Wainwright's told us that he's been in touch with Alex Guerrero, Brady's guy. I have to believe that Albert Pujols has had some of the same advantages and taken advantage of some some of the same career-preserving things in terms of, like you say, stretching, nutrition, and supplements that will help you be a better you, a healthier you. Not not performance enhancers, but things to help your body stay younger longer. Uh, speaking of people who are staying younger longer, today's our buddy Adam Wainwright's birthday. Oh, that's right. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to Wayno. Wayno. 41 yeah. years old today. Unbelievable. Who would have thought that? That he would be pitching like... He didn't think he was going to be pitching <laughs> like this four years ago. Uh, if anybody did, they were the most outlier of outliers. Yeah. Also last night, Aaron Judge hit his 50th home run, so he'll spend September not only trying to have the Yankees win the American League East title, but he's going to try to chase down Roger Maris, who has the all-time American League and the all-time Yankee record of 61 home runs in a season. I think he can do it. I think he can, too, and I absolutely loved his comments last night, Randy, where when he was asked about hitting number 50, and he said, doesn't matter, we lost the game. Yeah, that's <laughs> the kind of guy that if you're a sports fan, you have to love that he says stuff like that, right? That he yes. cares more about winning. He's the first Yankees player with 50 home runs before September since Roger Maris in 1961. And he says, I don't I don't even care. We lost the game. Good for him. But that's the right attitude, yeah. isn't yeah, it? That's somebody you want to give uh, a bunch of money, like $45 million a year to. Yeah, because he's thinking World Series. He wants his right. team to be playing well because he's thinking about the collective, not the individual. And yeah, not only is he performing at historic levels... But he he's a good teammate and cares about the team. I mean, mm-hmm. write the man the well, check. And Michelle, you've got the you've got the dough. Last week when the Cardinals were Not at Chicago, money. right? Exactly. <laughs> but it, it can be them, the Yankees. But BT and uh, Danny were talking about who the face of the Cubs is, and they really don't have a face right now. How perfect would Aaron Judge be at Wrigley Field? Oh, he'd be great. He already is used to pinstripes. Yep. Right. Exactly. <laughs> San Francisco. Buster Posey leaves. San Francisco is a really good organization with a lot of money. And Aaron Judge is from the Bay Area. What a great fit he would be with San Francisco. The Yankees, 
now that he is going to wind up in free agency, they're going to have some competition for his services. Someone is going, I don't think the Cubs will do it, Randy, because they, I think they're still recovering from biblical financial biblical losses. losses. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, after they're moving on from all of their stars, I don't know if they're going to write that big check to bring in Aaron Judge, even though he's spectacular, because they're still putting butts in the seats mm-hmm. as they're undergoing this rebuild. People are still showing up to Wrigley and spending money, so yep. I don't think they have the sense of urgency to win now or to spend that type of money. Um, San Francisco would be an interesting pick. And you know the Mets are going to make an offer. I was just going to say, but there's going to be some team, maybe a Cohen-led team, that is going mm-hmm. to spend wildly in order to acquire him. Yep, and the Rangers, even though they spent a bunch of money last year and had to fire their manager, I could see the Rangers being a team. There are, in my opinion, maybe four or five teams that would be willing to go that 400 plus million dollars for Aaron Judge. I know that it's an insane amount of money and that it will be a long contract and that's not something to go willy-nilly signing on to. And I know a lot of these big deals haven't worked out in the end, but I still can't believe that guys like Aaron Judge aren't locked up or a guy like Mookie Betts can leave Boston. You just think if you have that sort of talent in your organization that you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure you keep it. Yeah, it's one thing for the Cardinals to cherry-pick the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Another thing altogether for the Red Sox and Yankees not to be able to hold on to guys, right? I still can't believe the Red Sox don't have Mookie Betts, that they they were okay with moving on from him. Yeah, they're... And I, I get that it would have cost a ton in terms of the luxury tax, but you've spent and wasted a lot of money there. They had a minor leaguer, that uh, a minor league center fielder from Cuba, that they gave something like $120 million to to pay to play in AAA because they didn't want him to count against the luxury tax. Rusny Castillo was his name. They gave him a monster contract, and it, it was over $100 million, and he wasn't on their 40-man because they didn't want him counting against the luxury tax. So there was a time where they had him... Alan Craig and another expensive outfielder, and the their Red Sox minor league outfield was making more than I think twenty two major league outfields. Oh my god! Yeah, but when you've won a, a handful of World Series over the past decades, moves like that are okay. And that's why you should keep Mookie Betts if you're willing to waste money. Then spend money on a valuable guy, big time, and a beloved guy. Yeah, in right. Your city. Yeah, it could have could have been a career Red Sox. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Cards win at 13-4. Coming up, a lot of news and notes from the NFL yesterday. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for some NFL news and notes here on Character and Smallman. Well, first up, Randy, after an offseason with a lot of drama and a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo and his future, and seemingly the 49ers and Jimmy G were already broken up. We did not think there was any chance for reconciliation. We thought they were headed to the courthouse to sign those divorce papers, but... They did reconcile. Jimmy G and the San Francisco San Francisco 49ers are staying together for one more season. Adam Schefter reporting that Garoppolo and San Francisco agreed to a restructured one-year contract. It's worth $6.5 million in fully guaranteed base salary and contains a total of $500,000 in roster bonuses and playtime bonuses that could boost it by nearly $9 million for up to a total of $16 million if all of the bonuses 
are reached. So if Jimmy G gets cut, there is no guaranteed money left on the contract, so he gets nothing. So now he's got a guaranteed $7 bucks. plus he can, as you mentioned, make another $9 million more. And I'm sure that the 49ers didn't want to cut him and have him go to the Seattle Seahawks, where he could easily beat them twice. But I wonder what this says about Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. To me, this is the biggest story, is that, and I know that the 49ers are going to keep Trey Lance in the starting role, but there must be some concern, don't you think, on the part of the coaching staff and the, the administration of the 49ers about Trey Lance's ability to start for them and succeed for them? I don't think he's had an all-worlds preseason or and or training camp. The times that I've checked in on what's been going on there, including the time that we were previewing them, he had had some rough practices. Mm-hmm. And this probably is an indicator that they don't feel like Trey Lance is 100% ready to go, or at least that he needs more time for the maturation process and to get more seasoning. But it, it says here, according to Jeremy Fowler, that Garoppolo and the 49ers have discussed the option of waiving the no-trade clause because this deal also includes a no-trade and yeah. a no-tag clause um, that if something develops and the 49ers can get compensation, they'll waive it to move Jimmy G. But that, quote, Garoppolo was willing to help the team and wanted to play again this season with his teammates and doesn't that say so much about Jimmy G Mm -hmm. the person that after publicly they have come out and said Trey's our guy we're going to move on from Jimmy they knew that he knew that San Francisco has been shopping him this entire offseason but he's still willing to come back and help the 49ers and he wants to play with his teammates that will I would think for teams that are paying attention make him even more valuable in free agency next year Jeremy Fowler of ESPN on what went into this It was assumed Garoppolo and the 49ers were going to part ways, uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo did decide, hey, okay, if there's no clear-cut trade partner uh, or home for me to play at, let's situate a a scenario where I can still help the team that I appreciate in the 49ers, and I get a clean slate at it in 2023. Now, there's a no-trade clause in this contract that's worth up to about $15.5 million if he were to play a lot and win games and play in the playoffs, but uh, there is a belief that between both sides, really an understanding that if uh, there's a trade opportunity elsewhere, if if somebody gets injured with another team and the 49ers can suddenly get a good asset for Garoppolo, that he could waive that no trade clause. And by the way, one advantage that they have is, uh, who was it that was telling us, what was Dan Deardorff the other t- day talking about the Don Coriel offense where about half the league was running the Don Coriel offense? Well, now about half the league is running the Mike Shanahan offense, which is what Garoppolo is playing in. So Garoppolo can get traded to any number of teams that lose a quarterback and just slide right in and know their terminology. What do you think the playing time situation is going to look like? How, basically, how long is the runway for Trey Lance? Yeah, I, I'm wondering if it might be the third or fourth game. One thing about Trey Lance, and this is where not having access to players during the offseason, and last year they had the lockout, remember, but you only have three preseason games, you don't get a chance to develop young quarterbacks. And this young quarterback had virtually, he started one year in college. So, and I think that might have been the COVID year that he started. So he virtually has no experience. And if I'm the 49ers, because I've got a lot of really good players. I could go to a Super Bowl. I was a play away from going to the Super Bowl last year. I am going to have a very short leash for Trey Lance. But what does that say about Kyle Shanahan and their judgment and the coaching staff mm-hmm. if they not only drafted this guy and were so high on him, but 
publicly chose him in favor of Jimmy G. And if they were to go ahead and pull the plug on this experiment early and Jimmy G goes out there and balls and propels them to success, even though the team is having success, I think that that's a knock on them. I think it says more about Lynch. And I think if we talk to Nick Wagner, and he he probably knows where the bones are buried in San Francisco. I think when they made that trade, that, and not that I love the guy, but I think Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, who's mm. clearly more advanced, right? He could have walked in there and played in place of Jimmy G. And he actually, he, he looks more like Jimmy G. He, he looks like he would be that fit, but a healthier guy. I would love to know who really pounded the table for Trey Lance. Which Which one? Because remember back in the day, Jeff Fisher coming out saying, I didn't want Jared Goff. I was a Carson Wentz guy. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't a great pick either, Jeff. But... Once things don't turn out the way that they're projected to, everybody starts throwing everybody else Bingo. under the bus. So that right. would be interesting to see who who was the driving force behind that pick. Oh, I expected there to be a transition, but like, hut, hut, here we go. Next story. Hut, hut. Uh, the Dolphins released a running back Sony Michelle yesterday. It was one move among 13 that they made before the deadline today to trim their roster down to 53 players. So Sony Michelle, Randy, out for our Miami Dolphins. And might just be out, even though he had a good year for the Rams last year, former Georgia Bulldog. Now you've been released by the Patriots, who have won Super Bowls. By the Rams, who won a Super Bowl, and the Dolphins, who are going to win a Super Bowl. That's right. The really good teams are finding that you can't crack their depth chart. And they've got two guys that I've never heard of, Michelle, that are going to play running back for them that Sonny Michelle couldn't beat out. Maybe he couldn't play special teams or something. If you're a third-string running back, you better be able to play special teams. Mohamed Sanu also getting released by the Dolphins yeah. yesterday. I didn't realize he was like 34 years old. He's been around a while. He's been around, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> okay, next story. Hut, hut. <laughs> oh, there we go. Thank you, Matt. Okay, so Randy, you remember the story about the man that posed as a New England Patriots player and stole, uh, excuse me, he posed as the player in order to buy and sell Super Bowl rings that he claimed were gifts to Tom Brady's family. Mm-hmm. Well, he was busted. His name is Scott V. Spina Jr. And yesterday he was sentenced to three years in federal prison. Probably pretty well-deserved. It tells, I guess, a lot about Brady that somebody felt the necessity to do that or the the desire to make money off of Brady and his name. And then the other guy, the Mexican journalist who went and stole Brady's jersey out of the locker room in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then there was um, one other Brady incident, wasn't there, where, oh, it was the person that stole the Patriots rings, the Giants fan that robbed the jewelry store that had the Patriots rings. So if you are uh, Tom Brady, I'm sure you're looking around saying, man, how, how much money are people making off of my name? A lot. Yeah, a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> and that's why he's developing all of these TB12 methods and the the gear and all of that, because he's trying to make all the money mm-hmm. off his own name. But yeah, if you were going to steal somebody's jersey, let's go back to the jersey mm-hmm. incident. If you were going to do that, is there any player out there or any celebrity musician, anything that you would pose as a journalist and risk your reputation and potentially criminal charges trying to steal a jersey or a piece of clothing or memorabilia for? There is not. Me either. Not one, no. But this guy said he was obsessed and uh, he said that he had mental illness. He ran a newspaper in Mexico. And he went to the Super Bowl all the time to do this kind of stuff. He had stolen a Von Miller uh, helmet at a previous Super Bowl. So it's amazing. It's it's a great story. There's a documentary on, I, I think, FS1 about it. 
So he was addicted to the adrenaline rush that right. came with the the plot and the, the actual stealing. Right. When he stole Brady's jersey, he actually got together with Brady and they did a selfie right in front of his locker. I remember that. Yeah. What a weird scenario. <laughs> Crazy. Thanks, Michelle. You got it, Randy. Those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Next up, Jordan Walker is raking in AA. Is there a way that he isn't in the Cardinal lineup to start 2023? That's coming your way on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Two home runs for the Cardinals last night in the last 14 days. He has amassed a 286 batting average, a 390 on base, and a 612 slug for an OPS just over 1,001.002. Five home runs and 14 RBIs in that time. And perhaps the timing is perfect for Tyler O'Neill. Down at AA this year, the Cardinals' top prospect and one of the top 10 prospects in all of baseball, Jordan Walker, has a 912 OPS. He's at 17 homers. He's driven in 58. He has a 307 batting average, a 391 on base, and a 521 slug. And he is going to be in St. Louis sooner rather than later. But, Michelle, here you've got Tyler O'Neill, who's hot again and was hot last September. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he could have a September like he had last year, which was amazing. You've got Dylan Carlson, who, while struggling over the course of the last month, has been called a guy that John Mosellock, you'd have to pry out of my cold, dead hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you've got your, your leadoff hitter and probably your your most emerging young star in Lars Nootbaar, who's not only playing right field for you, but he's, he's leading off. You know your corner infielders are going to be there. Is there a scenario, Michelle, where... The top prospect, Jordan Walker, is not with the Cardinals at the beginning of next year. And they start him at Memphis. He's going to spend this year at Double A. Do you put him at Triple A next year and bring back this crew? This is obviously pending a good September by Tyler Walker or Tyler O'Neill. Who's Tyler Walker? I don't know. Stand by. Uh, Research is on it. Okay. But I, I just wonder if there's a scenario in which the Cardinals don't have Jordan Walker at the major league level at the start of 2023. Tyler Walker is a former pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, among many other teams. Okay. I see a lot of Giants games, and that's why I remember it. He was a right-hander, 6'3", 260 pounds. Big fella. I like him. Last played in 2010, Randy. Yeah, so that would have been on the world championship team. Yeah, been a minute for Tyler Walker. But but shout out to your career. Um, Randy, Jordan Walker is proving that he is the next star for the Cardinals and the Miners. I think there's a lot of fans that would like to see him called up for the postseason push. Uh, Don't know if that will happen. I would be in favor of it to get him involved with the Major League Club. I want him to have access to Albert Pujols. I want Jordan Walker to be with this team because I want what Juan Yepes and Lars Newtbar and all of these other guys have been able to do this season, which is see Albert Pujols in action, see the preparation, have a chance to pick his brain. I want that for the guy who's been compared to him, the guy who's been touted as potentially the next Albert. I want him to get the postseason call up and be
be able to sit next to him in the dugout. That's a photo that I want, Randy. So I don't think that there's any chance if we're talking about Jordan Walker having so much success in the minors that he might be considered to be called up for a postseason push that he's not going to be on the starting roster to open up next season. And if so, it is going to be a game of musical chairs because there's not enough room for everybody. Somebody is going to have to be moved. But if I'm the Cardinals and... I think that he really can be the next Albert Pujols. I want to make sure that he's getting called up and that he's getting the opportunity to get everyday reps and that he's mm-hmm. going to get those those early season that early season playing time so he can work out that acclimation period to the majors. Now, recent history would tell us that the Cardinals are going to be patient. Carlson was at the 2020 alternate camp before they allowed him to play at the major league level. You look at a guy like Nolan Gorman, who is a, a top hot prospect. They waited. To to bring him up. Although Jordan Walker seems to be a different animal. I I would think if I'm in the shoes of the Cardinals that I would be inclined to move O'Neal if he's hot for the rest of this season and he shows what he's capable of again. He's never going to play 140 games. He never has, he never will. He's not even going to be a 130 game guy anymore. He's just going to be too injury prone. If he gets hot for me for the rest of the season, love the guy. But I'm moving him, and I'm going to get some value in return for him. I would, too. That would be the play for me, even though he is a hard asset to walk away from. And I don't just mean his muscles. I mean because of his skill set. <laughs> he is a gold glove outfielder. He has unbelievable power when he's healthy. When Tyler O'Neill is right, he can carry a ball club. He absolutely can. And, and by the way, Randy, I always am shocked by his speed. Me too. I know that he's got the wheels, but anytime I see that body moving mm-hmm. at those speeds, it just shocks me. He's the type of player that if he's healthy and is coming off of a big run, that you could sell high on and get a lot in return. And if you know that Jordan Walker is the future and you're going to want to get him playing time at the outside of the season, why wouldn't you sell high and maybe get some pitching in return for somebody like Tyler O'Neill if you have durability concerns? Because the best ability, Randy, as you always say, is availability. And by the way, we should note that look at what the Cardinals got for Harrison Bader, who also never plays and plays center field. If I was going to say that there's a method to John Mosellock's madness, it's showing the baseball world the Tyler O'Neill can not only hit, but he can play a representative center field for you. We've heard Craig Mish on our air saying what the Marlins need is a center fielder, a two-way center fielder that can hit and play the position. Look at what the Yankees gave up for Harrison Bader, a, a stud left-handed pitcher. There are a half a dozen teams around Major League Baseball that I'm, I'm guessing would love to have a healthy, that's the key here, a healthy Tyler O'Neill playing center field for them and hitting bombs for him. Oh, that would be an easy phone call for John Mosellock to make. There, yeah. If he is coming coming off a long run, there is no doubt that there will be an appetite for him out there with, with other front offices. But let's go back to CDHD. That's what I'm calling Dylan Carlson. Cold dead hands guy. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. C, is, this a, is this a nickname we can all get on board with? We C, can. CDHD it kind of rolls off the yep. tongue. So CDHD. CDHD. Okay. Right. You are yeah, we. I got it. I mean, you're, you love a nickname, right? Like, let's go mm-hmm. for it. CDHD. So I don't think that, regardless of what happens in September, that he's a piece that the Cardinals are going to move on from. Not only because he is, in fact, CDHD, but because John Mosellac had the opportunity to acquire a Juan Soto and went to Dylan Carlson and assured him 
Great we point. think that you are talented enough that we want to retain you and keep you in this ball club. And we are going to do that in favor uh, or we favor you and keeping you here than going out and moving you to acquire someone like Juan Soto. And I know that the asking price for Soto wasn't just Dylan Carlson. It probably did include a Mason Wynn or a Jordan Walker. But it seems like Dylan Carlson was one of the pieces that Washington really wanted. And John Mozeliak knew enough about Dylan Carlson hearing all of this to go to him and assure him that he wasn't going to get moved. And I know that this is all part of a game. And if the right opportunity presented itself, he might not be CDHG anymore. Mo might go ahead and move on from him. But I just think if he felt that strongly about him during this trade deadline that he's not going to move That's on from a him. Great point that I hadn't thought of, but you're you're 100% on. And I want to circle back to Jordan Walker in St. Louis in the, this September because we only get to add two guys now. We're, they're we because they're winning, right? Yes, of course, Dad. So we get to add a pitcher <laughs> and we get to add a hit, hitter. So the pitcher is going to be Jack Flaherty. Do they bring back Juan Yepes? Probably. But... If I were going to have a guy sit around and watch what's happening up here, I'd want it to be Herrera. You're going to need him. Mm-hmm. Because he's very important to the, to to the, the success here, of right? the future, yes. Yeah. Now, I don't know that Yachty, I think Yachty's got other fish to fry rather than helping young catchers. He's always had more fish to fry than helping young catchers. So I don't know how much sitting up here and being around Yachty will help him. But I'd like to see him get more acclimated to the major league level. But I think, Michelle, it's going to wind up being neither. <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to wind up being Yepes. Yes, but I would love it to be Walker or Herrera. But, Randy, I think that Yachty knows that this is the end. And if if Herrera is there and he is able to counsel him, I, I'm sure that he would. But just osmosis, right? Just being able to watch mm-hmm. Yachty every day. even And I, I don't think this is the case, but even if they didn't speak one word to each other, you get to see him every day, the way he puts together a game plan, the way he speaks to other pitchers, the way he calls a game. If, if Herrera it just even gets more of a background glimpse of how Yadier Molina goes about his business is going to make him ultimately better at his job. And if you watch Carson Kelly play for the Diamondbacks, you can tell that he watched. He paid attention. And just watching, even at this advanced stage of Yadier's career, is going to help any young catcher, whether it's Kisner or Herrera or whomever would be. Austin Romine, uh, he didn't get to see him play. But any young catcher that watches yeah. him play is going to benefit. And I'm, I'm sure that Yadier is, is willing to talk to him and counsel him and I mean, look at what Albert is doing. Look at what Adam Wainwright does. These guys know that they need to, that they their legacy is cemented and that this is the end of the road for them and that they want to make sure that everybody else around them, because this is a, a really great team effort right now, that everybody is getting the counsel that they need in order to be their best selves. So end of the day, even though Albert is gone next year, the people that are on this team include Jordan Walker, but probably don't include... Tyler O'Neill, that's my look. I say yes, but it would be, especially if he's coming off a really, really hot September slash postseason run, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. But what are you going to do? You, it's This outfield continues to be such a point of consternation mm-hmm. because just when you think it's set with Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader, and Tyler O'Neill, and these are the three young players that the Cardinals have bet on and coming off last season, we all felt great about them. Now Harrison Bader is out, and we're talking about Tyler O'Neill getting moved. 
But when, but when the guy you potentially are moving him for is being compared to Albert Pujols and is crushing it in the minors, I'm okay with it. They go through some outfielders, don't they? Yes, Holy they cow. do. Man, that carousel is moving. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. And Matthew will have your take it or leave it. It's for us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Kern Smallman on 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocchio is also here. Our text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, in the same game over the course of last night, tonight, and tomorrow, the Yankees and Aaron Judge are playing against the Angels and Shohei Otani. Correct. Take It or Leave It. Rob Manfred made a big misstep by not being proactive and going to all of his TV partners and saying, look, we need to have Otani and Judge on TV nationally, 7 o'clock. We don't care about the Angels' home fans. We need to have those games on TV at 7 o'clock St. Louis time, 8 o'clock in the East, all three games. What is higher on, on the rankings than take it? I not only will take it, Randy, I'm going to steal it and drive away with it. That is... It was such a, an obvious win for Major League Baseball. It should have been promoted for weeks. Mm-hmm. It should have been, they should have been going, as you mentioned, not only to all of the networks to, to carry it, but talking it to ESPN and be like, make sure that First Take is talking about this. Make sure every radio show is talking about this. Because it is an unbelievable matchup with two huge stars that that eyeballs need to be paying attention Arguably to. Arguably your two biggest stars, right? I would say. Don't worry about the starting at 5 o'clock in Anaheim. Just make sure that you get that game on TV. And by the way, you did get home run number 50 for Aaron Judge. And Anthony Rizzo, who's a pretty big star, also hit a home run in that game. And Shohei Otani hit his 29th last <laughs> night. So, And nobody saw it. It's a real shame. Yeah. But that's part of the problem with baseball. Imagine if the schedule was set up differently. Uh, It's why the NFL is king, because so many people in this country have access to watching the stars at the same time. Yep. And I do think, and I know it would be West Coast, but imagine Steph Curry and Kevin Durant against each other. New York team going out to the West Coast. Yeah. We're all going to be watching that. Big time. And baseball has to find a way to get us hooked like the NBA and the NFL have. But what is the answer? I don't have it. Do you? I think they have to take it upon themselves. I think that they need to do a better job with their TV partners. That's one thing is that Adam Silver and Goodell always talk about is our TV partners. I don't hear that from Manfred much at all. That's a, a, certainly a place to start. Yeah. Just a lot say, of hey, money involved. And, and say, go to ESPN and say, look. Put this game on at 7. It's a it's a Monday night before football starts at the end of August. What else? I wonder what ESPN even had on last night. But say, I need this game on at 7 o'clock. You know what? Should I be the liaison for Manfred and Bristol? I I'll, think that's a great When idea. I get up there, I'll put in a word. Yeah, good call. Yeah. I will fight on behalf <laughs> of all baseball fans. Thank you. We need that. <laughs> we, baseball needs this. 
Randy, we talked earlier in the show about Jimmy G restructuring his deal with the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to remain there for the season. Take it or leave it. Jimmy G gets at least six wins with the 49ers this season. I'm going to take that. I'm going to say that he starts, well, he'll his first start will be game five. And I'm going to say that he does get at least six wins. I was trying to pick the over under there and I was thinking, all right, what game will he start? How late in the season will it be? What will the schedule be like? How many wins could he possibly accumulate? So we came up with six. That's amazing. Uh, And by the way, this is not the fault, I don't think, of Trey Lance. I, I think that Trey Lance is being done a big disservice by being put in the position of Starting for a Super Bowl champion, hopeful. He's played five games in the NFL. He started two. And his stats at North Dakota, he started a total of, let's see, he played in a total of 19 games. And he only had one year where he played any significant time. His total passing attempts in college football are 318. 318 college attempts and then has started two games in the NFL. So I think he's being put in a real bad position. here. I agree. And I know that it takes time to acclimate yourself to the next level, especially in the NFL. But I would just expect him to have looked better in practice and in preseason games when you're not, especially practice, when you're not going full speed. And I know the the 49ers have a tough defense that he's having to go against and maybe iron sharpens iron. But I'm sure if if you're the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff in front office, that's not making me feel super great that... It's not even at game speed yet, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like he's ready to go. Yeah. Dick Vermeil made the point last week that in 19, and he's made this point before. In 1998, when Kurt Warner was the Rams scout team quarterback, he'd come off the field with his assistants and say, either our defense is really bad or this guy's really good. And Trey Lance hasn't shown that in practice. By the way, the text line, thank you to the BLIS coming in hot. ESPN showing the U.S. Open last night. Serena. Oh, that's right. Serena. So Big ESPN deal. too. You get two. But, but. And Serena, one of the greatest Mm -hmm. athletes of all time in her swan song. This is a massive deal. I totally understand that. But if it was LeBron Durant or or Mm -hmm. Warriors Durant or some sort of other NBA matchup, and I know the seasons are different. This is a hypothetical, people. Would Serena and tennis have taken precedent over that? No. No, and that's and baseball just has to find a way, and it doesn't have to be. It could have been Fox. I, I wonder what was on Fox or FS, not even FS1. I wonder what was on Big Fox on a Monday night in August. I don't know. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it. Michaelis' second-half stats are concerning, and he's currently the number three starter in a playoff series. I'm going to leave it, and I pointed out his second-half stats, a 5.81 ERA and eight starts since the start of the second half. But among those eight starts, he's got five quality starts and then the three terrible ones. I'm going to take, I'm a little concerned, not a lot concerned. I know one of our pillars is to have the panic mm-hmm. bus keys ready. They're not at the ready, but they do have the Apple AirTag on them, and I know where they're at. I don't have them in my hand, but they're they're around. And... Uh, I might be inclined to to slot Jordan Montgomery number two in a potential playoff series. Oh, I do all the, uh, all the way, yeah. And Adam, if you're playing at home, Adam has to start game one. Has Adam to. has to start at home. I, I would have him, you know, yeah, he's so good at home, but I would also be inclined to have him go game one regardless because you know he's going to set the tone. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he has to be your guy. My biggest thing with Michael is, especially coming off last night, is that 
the one problem he's always had in his career, even when he's had good starts, even when he's had good seasons, is he allows home runs, and they're mm-hmm. in the, they're in the most easiest, they're the, in the easiest place to allow home runs. So maybe a little grain of salt, and that the fact that the only way he slipped up is the usually the only way he slips up. There's not something else in his game that broke last night. Yeah, he's one positive, paying the price for being a guy that's around the strike zone all the time. Exactly. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he's always he always gets hammered with home runs. He's always near the league lead. It's crazy. By the way, Miles at home this year, five and two with a two point four five on the road, five and eight with a four point four one. Yeah, so pretty big difference there. Earned runs two two runs higher per game on the road. Take it or leave it. Twenty twenty five. Newt Bar is still at the St. Louis Cardinals starting right fielder. 2025? 2023-2024. So he comes through the next two seasons. He's still the starter. I'm going to leave it just based on the Cardinals outfield yeah, right. and how quickly yeah. quickly they cycle through, guys. I'm going to leave it because I think there's a better chance because Jordan Walker has a big arm. I think there's a better chance of him playing right field. Carlson in center and Newt Bar in left. Take it or leave it. It would have been even more entertaining if Yachty and Wayno were mic'd up during that warm-up on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, that would have been fun. Would have been awesome. I don't know that Yachty would have been into it, though. Probably not. Also, there wouldn't have been much time for him to talk because yeah. Adam was doing such a magnificent job of, of explaining. It was such a stream of consciousness that it would have been different had they had that interaction. But mic them up for something else. I would love to have both of them mic'd up. Take it or leave it. O'Neill is traded in the offseason for a mid-to-top-tier starting pitcher and Walker's your left fielder. I'm going to, uh, well, I'm still going to put Walker in right, but I am going to say, that, I'll say that, uh, yeah, Tyler O'Neill, with two years of control left, does get traded during the offseason. I mean, like like Michelle said, you can get Montgomery for Harrison Bader. I double-checked. Harrison Bader does not have a top six MVP finish uh, in his career the way that Tyler O'Neill does. So if he hits anything near what he has before in September and goes into the offseason, well, then, yeah, he's he's one heck of a trade piece. Do you think the teams that would be interested in acquiring Tyler O'Neill might put some sort of a donut clause in the new contract? You're going to have to eat X some amount donuts. of donuts a week, just like Kyler Murray initially had the you have to study for three hours a mm-hmm. week. I wonder if teams are saying you're, you're simply too jacked. The body is too muscly. I think we're, that's a great idea, and that's a great partnership, isn't it? Krispy Kreme, get him on deck. Yep. Have him do commercials for you? Or whatever it is that he enjoys. I don't even want to put a burger in there because I could see him trying to take the bun off and just eat the protein. Mm-hmm. We we need there to be a, so- a softening in a way of Tyler O'Neill because you can't pull fat. And I'm, I want him to be durable. You know how I feel about this. <laughs> You're pro-donut. I, I am totally pro-donut. <laughs> take it or leave it. We're seeing a trial right now to see if Newt Bar has trade value. Um... I'm going to leave that. I mean, they're always, I'm sure, considering it and always wanting to know what players hold what value. But I don't think that's why he's getting playing time. No, they didn't really know what they had in him. And there aren't guys that I don't think the Cardinals feel confident in Tommy Edmond being their leadoff hitter for six months. You got to have a guy to lead off. And Newt Bar's doing a pretty good job of that. So if I'm the Cardinals, I would not be inclined to be trying to move him. I wouldn't either. By the way, don't you wish that you were so in shape that someone would beg you to eat some donuts? That would be so cool, yeah. Like, what if somebody was like, man, Randy is just too muscly. He's too buff. He's too jacked. He needs to eat a donut every now and again. Nobody's ever told me that. I've literally not once ever had that conversation in my life. (laughs) 
It's like, relax. The donuts will still be there. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, talked about Tyler O'Neill. He is feeling alive. And we'll talk about what it can mean for the Cardinals down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. And here is Tyler O'Neill on base twice tonight. And O'Neill hits another, his second of the night. Tyler O'Neill is red hot. Two run homer, Tyler O'Neill. His second tonight into the seats in left. Danny Mack, the call last night on Bally Sports Midwest. It's 8.06. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, Michelle, over the last seven days, Tyler O'Neill has hit 304. He's on bases at 433, and I think that's really important for a guy like him. He's walked six times and only struck out four in 30 plate appearances. His slug is 957 and his OPS is 1390 and I think it's safe to say he's hot now does this mean he's going to be hot for the rest of the season no but the numbers pretty similar actually for the last couple of weeks he, he's got a an OPS over a thousand for his last 14 days so maybe he has found himself he's back to being healthy and hitting the way that he did down the stretch last year we have seen some guys go on some streaks here recently Randy Albert Pujols has been so hot we saw Corey Dickerson get hot for a bit now uh well Corey Dickerson with another home run again last night but Tyler Mm -hmm. O'Neill getting hot and if he can maintain this down the stretch Randy I think that this could really obviously benefit the Cardinals into the postseason and imagine what that's going to do for his value across the landscape of Major League Baseball. Oh man, it would be huge. Last September, by the way, O'Neill hit 13 homers and drove in 30 and it had an OPS of 1100. So he is certainly capable of it and if the Cardinals can get him going and we know that Goldie's going to hit, we know that Arenado's going to hit, if you have that guy hitting and you like to have your top of the lineup too, obviously, but that's a pretty formidable Formidable? Formidable? Middle of the lineup. I think it's form formidable. Formidable. Form, I, I, I've always <laughs> yeah, struggled with formidable. Formidable, formidable. Either way it works. Okay, good. I like that. Formidable. Formid- formidable sounds like more of a broadcaster kind of thing. You, you, do you take vacations to the Caribbean or Caribbean? Is this like tournament? Yeah. Tournament? Tournament? Tournament. That's uh, our, our friend uh, Nick Ragone always jokes about how he says tournament because he's originally from New York and now that he's he's a died in the wool St. Louis and now he's got to change to tournament. Tournament. Wash, wash. They say wash. I don't ever say wash, but I've, I know some people I've, around I've here say that. I've into people uh, that said wash and I, then I ask, where's the R? Where is that R? Yeah. Should we get to some text? Let's do it. 65780. From the 314. I oops, Here we go. I thought long and hard about this, and I agree with Randy on Tyler O'Neill. Trade high. He's not going to give you a full season and always has to figure something out, especially at bat. The Cardinals need to make room for Jordan Walk, Walker, and Newbar appears to have earned his spot in the outfield. I'm with you. And by the way, Tyler O'Neill, in addition to being a valuable commodity because of what he can do offensively and defensively, He's only 27, so he, there's very uh, a lot of tread on those tires. And granted, when you look at his career, 
I mean, the games played are alarming because he's found a way to get hurt. But if he can stay healthy for September, teams have a tendency to look at the last thing they've seen and live with the last thing that they've seen. So if you can get him to play 35 out of 38 games or something, you'd really have something I think that other teams would be interested in. Absolutely. From the 314, Jordan Walker won't be here because Aaron Judge will be the Cardinals right fielder. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the Cardinals are going to go uh, $45 million a year on Aaron Judge. That's our that's our guy. Absolutely. Uh, from the 636, why in the world are you talking about trading O'Neal and moving forward with Newbar? This show has lost all credibility, LOL. LOL is the operative thing there at the end. <laughs> Because of, we, we aren't talking about Newt Bar. We're talking about, and by the way, Newt Bar has shown himself to be a pretty good hitter this year. And the Cardinals have, at least according to the people that run their organization, they like Lars Newt Bar. They, they like what he has become. And what you have is two similar players in highly athletic power hitting youngsters in O'Neill and Walker. And the question is, are you going to keep O'Neill, who does have two years of control left, by the way, or are you going to put Jordan Walker in your everyday lineup to start 2023? You could always, he still hasn't played a day in AAA. You can move Jordan up to AAA next year, Jordan Walker, mm-hmm. and keep Tyler O'Neill. But you do, as the initial texter said, you do have to find a place to sell high with Tyler O'Neill because I'm convinced, Michelle, when you look at his games played over the course of his career, I'm convinced that he's never going to be a guy that plays for you on a regular basis. He's played 81 games this year. The Cardinals have played about 125. Last year, he did play 138, and that was far and away his most healthy year. Otherwise, in his second year in the majors, he played 60. In his rookie year, he played 61. And every year, he's wound up on the IL. That's my biggest concern about Tyler O'Neill. It's not, can he become a great consistent hitter? It's, can he be consistent in terms of getting on the field? That's right. Can he stay healthy? The three zero one, Randy, bringing up another point. Tyler O'Neill is a Scott Boris client. The Cardinals want no part of that. He's going to be gone. It's another really good point. Mm-hmm. He's going to command a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um from the 217, countering. I think trading Tyler O'Neill would be a mistake. You figure out a way to keep him on the field because he's a known MVP candidate. The Cardinals have gone to him and they've had a lot of conversations about keeping him on the field. And that's been an issue for him. And they actually changed his pregame routine earlier this season. I think what you have said, Michelle, is completely valid about changing the diet a little bit because you can be too finely tuned and he is as finely tuned an athlete as you will ever see he looks like one of those sculptures that you see in rome yeah he He looks like he's made of marble i i respect the dedication that that guy has for the maintenance of his body more than i can possibly tell you as somebody that can't stick to a diet for more than like four days Mm -hmm. the fact that he is that regimented and disciplined and cares that much about his the tool that helps him do his job, I res- I respect that and I appreciate that. But at some point, if you keep having injuries, you have to reconsider and yeah. and and look at somebody like Adam Wainwright, who we've talked to and had to change things up and not run as much. Now he's doing walking. There's a lot of stretching that's involved with what he does. There's been athletes who have, even though they've had success with one part of their their physical regiment have had to change it up in order to make sure that they have that durability. BMI equals GP. 
BMI, your body mass index equals GP. Games played. <laughs> BMI equals GP. <laughs> so we need to shift the BMI to get a higher GP. Higher BMI equals higher GP. I love that. <laughs> but I wonder, okay, because a lot of people who live their lives like that, though, are addicted to it. You know, mm-hmm. they right. they... Look at Tom Brady. He doesn't even eat tomatoes. This guy can't even eat nightshades for crying out loud. Look at what happened to him when he had tequila. It had to be carried off of a boat. People get addicted to the grind of the diet and the exercise and challenging themselves and seeing results. What if increasing the BMI messes with his head, though? And even though you get a higher GP, you get a lower BA or a lower OPS. Well, then you have to change things up. (laughs) So, okay, BMI equals GP minus BA plus DP. So what he needs to do is is if the batting average is going down, you got to add Dr. Pepper to the mix, and then that makes the head all right. And plus ND slash S Mountain Dew and Sudafed. Which will cure anything, you're including you're, including you're a bad hammy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know what, Randy? They said that you didn't do well in math. I just watched you go all Albert Einstein in this situation. Yeah, I could put that on the blackboard. <laughs> we just went goodwill hunting on this. <laughs> <laughs> that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, three questions about this year's Arizona Cardinals on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? I don't really understand your question. Are you fooling me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now it's time for three questions on the Arizona Cardinals. All right, time for three questions about the Arizona Cardinals. Number one. Number one, right off the bat, it's a quarterback league, ladies and gentlemen, and, well, sometimes it requires your quarterback not to play video games and watch some tape. So there's the question, can Kyler Murray succeed overall, and especially without DeAndre Hopkins? First of all, DeAndre, it's the shampoo. Right? Yeah, big part of it. You know, I can't believe that shampoo is just out there having people pop positive for performance enhancers. It's unbelievable. What are we putting in our shampoo these days? What are people thinking? Listen, I know that we're trying to maintain the color and the texture and shampoo is important, but what are we putting into our products? Bottom line here, Michelle, as far as I'm concerned, you should not have to take your shampoo to your team trainer (laughs) to say, is this legal for me to use? I think that that's actually a great marketing tool for some sort of shampoo company out there. You know, whatever herbal essences devoid of PEDs. <laughs> That's a good thing. Safe for you to use. Yeah, say it on your commercials. But go ahead, Randy. I think Kyler Murray is very talented, but I think part of his problem is his coaching staff. I think that they need to have a more structured system. To answer the question, can Kyler Murray succeed without DeAndre Hopkins? I think he can, but I think that that offense needs to play with more structure and it sounds kind of weird but actually more predictability part of what makes him great is unpredictability but i think there's a lot of times where his unpredictability leads to mistakes 
I think it's been really hard for him to have success without DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is his number one target. He is one of the best receivers in the league. And I know that Kyler Murray just signed a $230.5 million contract that is insinuating that he needs to have success mm-hmm. uh, with who, whomever is on the field. Uh, but Randy, the Cardinals offense without DeAndre Hopkins is completely different. So the Sporting News had this. Hopkins averaged 12.6 yards per target last year. Murray's average depth of target dropped from 8.24 yards per attempt with Hopkins to 7.73 without him in the lineup. Kyler Murray is a different quarterback when he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins as a weapon. And I think that it's going to be hard for him to have the the level of ex- success that's expected of him without him as a target. That's why they went out and got Murray's college teammate, Marquise Hollywood Brown. And one thing we know for sure about him, he brings some speed. Brandy. Oh, man. I was waiting to see. It was so like, it, Yeah, it's like I saw it coming from a mile away. You just kind of had to watch it happen. Yeah, his. You know what? You're not wrong, though. He does, in fact, bring the speed. His, his speed is almost criminal. <laughs> like criminal speeding. Which, by the way, in Arizona includes exceeding 85 miles an hour, exceeding the posted speed limit by 20 miles an hour, or exceeding 35 miles an hour approaching a school zone. But you usually don't have to worry about that at 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. Number two. Will that speed translate to the field? <laughs> we'll see. Find out. Will Hollywood Brown speed translate to the field? We'll find out next. It. Um, Why have we utilized your broadcasting voice? My like that broadcasting more often? voice in this way? I don't know because I hate myself when I talk like this. Uh, you know, just a little, little soft deprecation never hurts. Uh, on the other side of the ball, let's go to the defense. They lost Chandler Jones. Is the pass rush going to be there? Obviously, we have St. Louis native Marcus Golden still rushing the passer for the Cardinals. The other big question in the linebacking core, not just on the outside, on the inside, two first-round picks, and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins haven't lived up to their draft bill yet. There's a lot of pressure on Steve Kime and the group for them to do so. So, in that entire linebacking core, can they make up for the loss of Chandler Jones on the outside, and can the young guys in the middle step up for the Cardinals? Michelle Chandler Jones is one of the best pass rushers in the history of the league, certainly in the last decade in the NFL. He had 10 and a half sacks for them last year. Marcus Golden, the aforementioned by Matthew, had 11 sacks. Otherwise, you fall down to Jordan Hicks, who's gone now. He had four. Zach Allen had four. They just are not getting sacks out of other people. They were on uh, a Thursday night football game earlier, and their defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph was talking yeah. about getting more pass rush from Buda Baker, a safety. So, no, they are not going to be able to replace Chandler Jones. And I think they even know that, that they're not going to mm-hmm. be able to replace him. Uh, as you mentioned, Van- Vance Joseph is going to have some tough sledding this year. This group is also thin at cornerback, and it just seems like it's a really unfinished product, this mm-hmm. Arizona Cardinals defense. Maybe they'll exceed expectations, but I don't see them being better than they were last year. When you remove a Chandler Jones from the equation, it's going to be tough to do that. The one thing that they could get is some J.J. Watt magic. If J.J. Watt plays 15 or 16 games, then all bets are off because we know that he'll get to the quarterback. But I don't see him playing. He's hurt all the time. I don't see him playing a bunch of games. Is this a Tyler O'Neill situation? Does he also need a donut clause? Yes, he does. Yeah, he works too hard. I mean, I see, I see him out doing all these crazy workouts. He's on frozen lakes, lifting up big blocks of ice. Yeah, building cabins and chopping wood. Stop refining the body so much. Yeah, just go play. Go play football. Have get some, fun. Get some snacks in there. Yeah. I I think, just come on, Marcus Golden, maybe two two double-digit sack seasons in his last three years. He's not going to replace Chandler Jones, but hey, 
I, I like that. I like that he's at least there. And I like that he's representing for the. SDL. Yeah, but you need two guys. You always need two guys, especially if you have one guy, he'll get double teamed. And especially when you don't necessarily have the cornerbacks on the outside, right? That they do exactly. Number three. So with that, with the offensive problems and with the defensive problems, is Cliff Kingsbury going to end up on the hot seat for the Cardinals this year? Yes, he's already there. His trousers are torched. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that, Michelle? What is that? The team has ascended. They've gone from. 5-10-1 and one in his first year to 8-8 eight and eight to 11-6. and six. They keep getting better. But I'm with you. I do think that with the expensive quarterback and with everything that they're dealing with defensively that we just talked about, unfortunately, it's going to be on him. Even though the yes. mistakes might be Steve Kimes mistakes, it's going to fall on Cliff Kingsbury. So I, I do think that the expectation has to be there for them to have a fourth straight year of getting better, and if it doesn't happen, I, I'm with you. I think he's on the hot seat. He has one year left on his deal, heading into a fifth-year team option. I know that Michael Bidwell has said that he has a bright future and has expressed his support for Cliff Kingsbury, but think about the trends that we've seen from Cliff Kingsbury. So let's just look at last season. Arizona starts 7-0, and really exciting time. Then they collapse down the stretch. And this is something that you've seen out of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury teams. I know that they lost to the inevitable Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. So that's always an argument that you can make. But this is Pro Football Network had this, Randy. So if you go to his first seasons back at Texas Tech, his teams have gone 40 to 20 and one. They've all had fast starts in the first seven games of the season, mm. just like we've seen with the Arizona Cardinals. However, from the eighth week on, his teams have gone 17 and 45 during that span from college to the NFL. This is a trend from week eight on going back to his time at Texas Tech. His teams have gone 17 and 45 from week eight on you should be ascending as the seasons go on not declining and if if Cliff Kingsbury can't prove that he can win especially in the second half of the season he's out and it doesn't matter that DeAndre Hopkins won't be there that Chandler Jones isn't with the team all of these baked in excuses you just locked up Kyler Murray to a 200 plus million dollar deal there's no way that he's going to be the reason that you're not having success so it's got to fall on somebody and it will be Cliff that's the bottom line is if you have a lot tied up in a quarterback and you don't get what ownership perceives is the most out of him, then somebody's going to pay the price, and it's going to be the coach. All right, those are three questions about the Arizona Cardinals. And by the way, I think with Jimmy G back in San Francisco, I think the Arizona Cardinals are doomed to third place in the NFC West. I think it's Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks. Well, come on, baby, Geno Smith. No, no, I'm with you. Maybe those, maybe the Jimmy G Trey Lance drama will be too much. Maybe they'll give Trey Lance too much of a runway. That situation is all TBD for me. So I could see Arizona being the second best team in the division. What about Matthew Stafford's elbow? I am yeah. not. I am not convinced that Matthew Stafford is going to be healthy for the entirety of the season. And I say this with all due respect to John Wolford. If he's under center for the defending Super Bowl champs, tough sledding. Yeah, it will be. And I mean it with all due respect. Yeah. And if not, we <laughs> sure, just... With all due respect. And, and if the, he's not like the worst, if that happens and they're like not terrible, just put Sean McVay in the Hall of Fame right now. Just just do it. I hate it, but just do I it. I think we can wait on that. We can wait. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. 
In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It is time for Carricker and Smallman's fight here on 101 ESPN 834 in St. Louis. That time track is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Did Randy get the jack yesterday? I believe he did. Or did he get three? It was a uh, 4-3 win. 4-3? I thought thought the guy only got one right yesterday. Oh, 4-3 was was Friday. Excuse me. You're right. He only got one. 3-1. Okay. Some of the days run together. Some of the days run together. We don't really know. But Randy won yesterday. So let's see if he can extend his streak this week to two. Tom is going to be his challenger and is going to try to stop him in his tracks. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. He's got a good shot. Um, but I would like to uh, uh, say that uh, we're going to miss you. I mean, I hope you come home on uh, like an Albert Pujols tour someday. Oh, well, thanks, Tom. I will miss St. Louis very much. I could be home sooner rather than later. You never know. It's. I was told yesterday that I'm going to be the David Perron of Sports Talk Radio. So if I leave uh, this second time, it guarantees I'll be back for a third stint. But thank you and very you're, much. And you just keep getting better every time. I certainly hope so. That's the goal, is that you go somewhere else, you sharpen your skills, get a little better at your craft, and you, you come home. So thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. Are you ready to do the fight? Sure, let's go. All right. Well, good luck to you, Tom. Question number one. Happy birthday to our guy. It's Adam Wainwright's 41st birthday. Wayno's two gold gloves are the only gold glove awards for a Cardinals pitcher in over 30 years. Who was the last Cardinal pitcher before Wayno to win a gold glove? Is it Steve Carlton, Jim Cott, or Joaquin Anjahar? <clears throat> wow. Um, <laughs> over 30 years, huh? Correct. Uh, well, that almost has to be uh, Carlton then. Carlton. Albert, okay. Albert Pujols victimized his 450th, 450th different pitcher last night, but one pitcher stands out above the rest. Which Cubs pitcher allowed eight home runs to Pujols across his career? Was that Carlos Zambrano, Ted Lilly, or Ryan Dempster? Oh, man. Uh, let's go with the... Uh, um, I want to say Lilly because he's left-handed. Um, yeah, let's go with Lily. Okay. Question number three for you, Tom. And the controversial missed call at first base that would cost the Cardinals the 1985 World Series against <clears throat> Kansas City Royals. What Royal was erroneously called safe by umpire Don Deckinger? Was it George Brett, Pat Sheridan, or Jorge Orta? Uh, I should know. I should know this. Uh, uh, let's. I, I think Forte. The last, the third one. Okay. When Sean Alexander won the NFL MVP in 2005, while setting the new total TDs from scrimmage record in the NFL for the third time in six years, whose record was he breaking? Was that Marshall Falk, Ladanian Tomlinson, or Priest Holmes? Uh, sir, I, I missed the first part of the question. Can, can yeah, no, you you're say good. again? Of course. When Sean Alexander won the NFL MVP in 2005 while setting the new total TDs from scrimmage record in the NFL for the third time in six years, whose record did he break? Was that Marshall Falk, 
LaDainian Tomlinson, or Priest Holmes? Uh, shoot. Uh, I'll go with Locke. I, I think it's LT, but I, I, no, yeah, let's go with LT. Okay. Checking the score. We have confirmed it. Where's Randy? Oh, here he yes. comes. Competence check, Tom. How are you feeling now that you've completed the fight? <laughs> I'd rather be going home. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard when you actually do it. People, but they play along in their cars. They'll always say, oh, I got all four right in my car today. And then when they get in the hot seat, they realize it's hard. The pressure can take over. Randy, say good morning to Tom. Tom, good morning. How are you doing? Uh, better than I deserve. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Right on. Randy, I just wanted to shout you out today because you're wearing uh, orange and blue. You're rocking the Atlanta colors today. ILO. Yes, I that a Mets I thing. I guarantee you that. I love it. Uh, yeah. Sir, are you ready to do the fight? I am ready, yes. Question number one for Megamind. Happy birthday to our dude, Adam Wainwright. 41st birthday today. Happy birthday, Adam. Happy birthday, Adam. We'll talk to him tomorrow for Wednesdays with Wayno. Adam's two gold gloves are the only gold glove awards for a Cardinals pitcher in over 30 years. Hmm. Who was the last Cardinal pitcher before Wayno to win a gold glove? In over 30 years. First in over 30? He's the, yeah, he, yeah, he won two. He's the only Cardinal in the last 30, in, in over 30 okay. years to win uh, a gold glove. Who was the last one the other prior Cardinal to pitcher him? To do that. Uh, who would have been that guy? I'll get um, back to 92 for you. Okay, so 92, uh, 02, 12, 12. let's see. Um, hmm, I don't know if Tukes ever won. I'll, go, I'll do the old, old lifeline here. Steve Carlton, Jim Cott, Joaquin Andrahar. Well, let's see. Steve Carlton was here before 30 years ago, so it wouldn't have been him. No, over 30 years. Over 30 years. Okay. Um, Kitty Cott, I don't know if he played enough. So I guess I would go with, I don't think Joaquin was that good of a fielder. Um, but maybe that's the outlier. So, I, heck, I'll, I'll do Joaquin. Albert Pujols victimized his 450th different pitcher last night, but one pitcher stands out above the rest. Which Cubs pitcher allowed eight home runs to Pujols across his career? I believe that would have been Ryan Dempster. Ryan Dempster would have been the guy. In the controversial missed call at first base that would cost the Cardinals the 1985 World Series against the Kansas City Royal, what Royal was erroneously called safe by umpire Don Denkinger? It was George Orta who was pinch hitting. When John Alexander won the NFL MVP in 2005 while setting the new total TDs from scrimmage record in the NFL for the third time in six years, whose record was he breaking? So he broke a record for the third time in six years. It was the, no, the record was broken for the third time in six years. Okay. Um, and whose record was he? And who, whose record was he breaking? In two thousand five, he broke the record. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Priest Holmes of the Chiefs. Randy, did you get all four right yesterday? We couldn't remember. I did not. No. You got three. Yeah, it was three to one. Three to one. Three to one. Okay. So you got three right yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did Randy win today, or is it Tom? Matt, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. 
Randy, you got the jack. Congratulations. Hmm, I'm surprised. Awesome job today. Tom, I'm sorry. Randy beat you four to one. Ah. you're not the first time you wouldn't be the last thanks for listening thanks for playing all right thanks guys thank you very much all right let's run through the answers even though randy got all of them correct uh it is adam wainwright's birthday hope he's celebrating appropriately uh adam won two gold gloves and they're the only gold glove awards for cardinals pitcher in over 30 years the last guy to do it before wayno was joaquin andujar i'm surprised by that Albert Pujols victimized his 450th different pitcher last night. One pitcher stands out above, above the rest. It was a Cubs pitcher that allowed eight home runs to Albert Pujols across his career. That guy's Ryan Dempster. Congratulations, Ryan. No also one. did a great Harry Carey imitation. Also had a late night talk show where Chris Bryant joined him and said who would want to play in St. Louis? St. Louis is so boring. That's true. He and did then they have... laughed it up together. Huh? Yeah. Huh? 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 Very funny. Guess Ryan. winning is boring. Yeah, well, they had that dynasty, Michelle. Yeah, Come man, on. you got one, whatever. And if it, if it adds a little insult to injury, he's uh, alone atop that list by a couple. I think the next closest one is no one allowed seven or six home runs individually to pools. It's five. <laughs> and then Ryan Dempster with eight whole ones. He's impressive. Faced him a lot. And the controversial miscall at first base that would cost the Cardinals the 1985 World Series, the Royal that was erroneously called safe at first by Don Denkinger, the umpire. I was told it was Jorge Orta. Is it, is it George? George. Uh, it was George. Yeah. Okay, thought, my bad. I, I thought the Jan thought it was Jorge. That's my apologies. My bad. I'm, I mispronounced his name. No disrespect. He was called safe. Um, when Sean Alexander won the NFL MVP in 2005 while setting the new total touchdowns from scrimmage record in the NFL for the third time in six years, he broke the record that was held by Priest Holmes, who had 27. Priest Holmes had a pretty good year that year. And he finished fifth in MVP voting. Wow. That's, that? that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Just win, 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 win. Uh-oh, accidentally hit the button. No, you didn't. Don't stop believing. You got more. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. You got more? Oh, it's too hot. Oh, boy. Feeling hot, hot, hot. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. I'm kind of a big deal. Milk is always a bad choice. What adults are drinking full glasses of milk? Thinking about this, I don't know. I do not know. It's... So, what kids are at the at this stage? I've never been a milk person, but Randy, I would remember going over to my friends' houses when I was a kid for dinner, and they mm-hmm. would be having spaghetti, and some of them would be drinking whole glasses of milk, which I thought was so foul. But at I, what stage of life, when you become an adult, are you like, maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore? It's kind of gross. Twenty three. That's when I I went from I grew up in that kind of family, whole whole glass of milk with you know with dinner and stuff like that when it was you know spaghetti or whatever. And about twenty three, I was like, this 20? is weird. I think it was before twenty three for me, and especially whole milk. I'm just not oh, whole um, milk. Whoa. Yeah, That's heavy. Uh, by the way, we forgot to do this yesterday, but we can do it again today because we're here. We're on to Cincinnati. There we go. Cardinals are on to Cincinnati. Coming up next, Tyler O'Neill is in Cincinnati, but is he long for St. Louis? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We always hear the great Mike Claiborne on Tuesday mornings here on Carriker and Smallman. And this morning, Claves has made his way into the studio, which we greatly appreciate. It's always good to see you. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. You know, I had to come in and hang out with my bud here uh, her <laughs> last week uh, here in St. Louis. So I was in the, I was knew I was going to be in the vicinity, so I said I'd swing by and personally sit with you. 
Well, it shouldn't take me leaving to get you in studio, by the way. But I know you're always on the road. You're always out I'm shopping, always doing something fabulous. Something, yeah. But I was going to make today your day, so I wanted to hang, come hang out. So here I am, uh, ready to talk about anything and everything. So you all set and packed up and everything, ready course, to go? Of course not, because that would be the logical you're, thing you're to do. You're going to wait the day before and say, I leave on yeah. Sunday, oh, so I'll, pa- I'll pack Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, that's what will happen. I am a, a notorious, I'm a great packer because I travel a lot. I have yeah, the routine down I'm, very I'm like well, but I wait until the day before because a lot of the things that you might be packing, you're going to be using up until the day of. So why even well, waste the time? I'm a, I'm a person of multiples. So I have like two, I have a crash kit near 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 the door with essentials in a bag that's already, and I, you know, I use those packing cubes and you throw a few things in there and boom, you're off. Yeah, well, with your wardrobe, of course, you have to have the packing cubes to keep everything nice. This is true. Yeah, you don't you don't ball you don't ball up those jackets and throw them in there. So that's right. It's all good. How many years with the Cardinals for you traveling with the club now? Go back I to '06. Yeah, '06. So yeah. how many years in did you reach the point where you thought, "I'm not going three days to Cincinnati." <laughs> Uh, probably the second year. <laughs> you know what, though? It, it, there's some cities like you, you go to because there are people there that you know um, and you want to hang out and see them and you get to have relationships with people over the years. Uh, but there's some cities you just like New York. You know, going to New York and they're all night games does me no good. True. You know, yep. I mean, so because you have to get there so early because of traffic and everything. So that's not a fun trip. Uh, Philadelphia is cool. Uh, I'm never going back to Boston. I, I wouldn't care if my kid was pitching in game seven. <laughs> I had to watch, watch it on TV. Never going back there. Uh, but every everywhere else is pretty cool. Pittsburgh is fun because it's a beautiful sight line and the, and the ballpark is nice and you can walk to the ballpark. Uh, San Diego has the best setup because, you know, you walk over this little sky bridge right into the ballpark, and then there's a gas lamp district uh, about a half a block away. So there's plenty of places to go eat and drink, and so, you know, that that's the best setup. And the weather's always the same. Well, you've covered the Cardinals for a long time. You've seen a lot of stuff. But when I look at this team and all of the storylines that are happening, not only with the playoffs at mm-hmm. play and all of the, the history that's in, intertwined into this season, this has to be one of the most seasons you've most fun seasons, excuse me, that you've ever had. Yeah, it, it has been. And that's a good point you make. And it starts with the players. Uh, we have a good group of people that happen to be really good baseball players. Um, management has been terrific, starting with Mo on down. Uh, the man, the manager Oliver Marmol has been outstanding. Coaching staff has been very helpful, so it's a good setup. And and you know, with that said, you always feel like, okay, what else do we need? And so we used to need pitching. Now we have pitching. Boy, we can lengthen this lineup a little bit more. Well, you know, all of a sudden Tyler O'Neill decides he's going to step up. So every day it's a different thing to look forward to compared to saying. Oh boy, we're gonna go out and get our brains beat out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're Cincinnati or Pittsburgh or Chicago in, within your division, what do you look forward to other than the first and the fifteenth at this point? Nothing. I mean, somebody's gonna come in and break up all of our furniture. Uh, we're gonna play a bunch of guys who probably should still be in the minor leagues, and it, you know that that act gets old, especially for those teams in our division who have consistently been bad. Uh, so for the Cardinals to be as consistent as far as competing, I think that, you know, you tip your cap to them. I think now, though, like most fans, you know, we've competed. All right, how about winning something now? Let's get out of the first round. Let's see how good we can be. And I think with pitching, 
we might be able to do that this year. And, you know, when you look at what Arnado and Goldschmidt have done, now Albert, uh, you know, there's some guys that you're starting to say, you know, why not? You know, you handle the Yankees, you, you beat the Braves two out of three, and I've always believed that it's nice to beat Chicago and, and Cincinnati and those teams, but they don't play in October. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out how to beat the teams like the Dodgers and the Padres and the, the, you know, the Braves and apparently the Mets, although I think the Mets are going to get caught. I think the Braves are the best team we face this year. Um, so you have to learn how to beat those teams. And you don't have to win this. You don't have to sweep them, but you have to get two out of three because you have to win series. So that's where we're at. But it's been fun. And it helps to have a guy like O'Neill step up, right? Because you yes. got the two impact oh, yeah. hitters, and, and he's doing himself a ton of favors. But he's doing the Cardinals a lot of favors by being good here. Not only in helping them win with, with this hot streak, but he's enhancing his value for yes, the offseason. There's no question about that. And it's amazing. Saturday night, here's a guy who might be the hardest person to walk. Okay, I mean, you give him three balls, and he still might strike out. But Saturday night, he has a three-ball count. And, you know, what, what are you doing swinging? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because he had a line drive that right. could have easily been a double play. All right? So that's why he didn't start on, on Sunday because of what, you know, he, he, he thought he had the green light. And nobody, you know, all you see is red. Do, <laughs> don't swing. All right? We don't see if this guy can walk us. So and then he comes back the next night with the home run. Uh, and then he hits another one last night, so maybe he's on a little bit of a mini streak. So one of the neat things about Ali is he rides a guy as long until he gets cold. Mm-hmm. And Corey Dickerson is the best example. Corey Dickerson, and I know people say, well, you know, Car- he's in Carlson's in his dog doghouse. Well, no, Carlson just didn't perform, and Corey Dickerson is. So they move O'Neal into center field and let Dickerson continue to play. And I think he's been one of the fun stories of the year because I think and we, we've talked about him. I think we were all ready to cut the cord with him by the yep, All-Star break, I was. right? Yep. And uh, all of a sudden, he comes back and he plays a little bit more each day, and now all of a sudden you can't get him out of the lineup. So it's fun. Mike Claiborne is with us. It's Carriker and Smallman, and more coming up. This is a very nice yeah. setup you have. Thank you. Glad you like it. Yes. We're, it's a much nicer setup with you here, Claibs. Well, I appreciate you saying it. Uh, <laughs> I, let's, put, let's face it. I've been in worse environments. Trust me. <laughs> more coming up with Claibs on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at SNPartners.com. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Mike Claiborne, kind enough to join us in studio. You'll hear him on the pregame tonight for the Cardinal broadcast on the Cardinal Radio Network. And, of course, you can hear, always hear Claibs on the Joe West 5460 podcast. And I can tell just in talking to you, whether it was playing golf a couple of weeks ago or on the phone, because your voice changes when you talk about doing that podcast with Joe West. Yeah, you know what? We've had a lot of fun with that. Um I have to give Joe Roderick all the credit for it because he was the one who said, you know, why don't we see if we can get Joe West to do a podcast? And I called him. I had to explain to him what a podcast was <laughs> and walk him through that. But uh, we started throwing some ideas around. And, you know, Joe knows everybody. And so it was pretty easy to get some people on. And, uh, you know, he's got some good stories. I mean, he's he's a funny guy in his own way. 
And, uh, and I know you guys are going to visit with him, but I, I've enjoyed it immensely. It's been fun. And, you know, uh, he really cares about the game of baseball. Um, I know he's in town, and he drove all the way somewhere in northern Illinois, a former umpire, an older gentleman died, and Joe wanted to be make sure he was there at his funeral. Mm. I mean, that's wow. how much he cares about other, other umpires in the game. But uh, he's funny. Uh, he's got a ton of stories. Um, and I've enjoyed it immensely. It's been fun. Well, everyone should give it a listen. It's great content. I want to go back to what we were talking about last segment, Claves, and Tyler O'Neill in this hot streak. He's homered in three of his last four games. If he can maintain this, his value is certainly going to increase. We are assuming that Jordan Walker is going to be part of the equation and be in the outfield at the outset of the Cardinals season next year. What do you think that means for Tyler O'Neill? Well, you know, it's a good question. Um, he wants a long-term deal. Uh, I don't know if he wants to do that arbitration thing anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, because yeah, he Cardinals, didn't love it. <laughs> Randy, how long, the Cardinals haven't lost an arbitration thing like since Th- 30 in, years? In high school. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Know, I mean, that's just something they've been very good at. Uh, so, you know, if he wants a long-term deal, I don't know if it's in the in the works or not uh, because the Cardinals have options. And you, you look at the Cardinals as an organization, there are a couple of positions that they do not invest a lot of time and money in is second base and also left field. And so when you look over the years, they've always had an option. Now with Jordan Walker, I think the question is, when do you see him? Do you see him in Memphis this year before their season is over? Or do you see him in the big league camp from day one and all of a sudden he's taking a lot of at-bats just to see how far along he's come? You might see a situation where Okay, he looked good in the spring, but we'll bring him up after that date. I forget what day it is in, is in May, I believe. Much like the Cardinals, a lot of other teams bring up their prospects so the, t- the clock doesn't tick uh, too early. But, you know, he's going to be in the equation, and I think Alec Burleson will be in that conversation also. Do you think the Cardinals would consider bringing him up for the postseason stretch this year? Bring up Walker? Yeah, the, for the for the postseason push. Because no. I would love for him to get some – uh, clubhouse time and dugout time with yeah. Albert Pujols. You know, that's a good point you make. I just don't, I think there's a lot of guys in front of him mm-hmm. right now um, with regard to people they want to get a look at, Burleson being one of them. Uh, but, you know, and it's it's a really tough situation because you do want him around Albert. Yes. I mean, just like we saw with Juan Epes, you know, right. he followed Albert everywhere. Like a little I mean, puppy yeah, dog. I mean, Amazing. He, you know, he turned around the driveway and there's the Epes <laughs> in the car behind him. <laughs> with you know? his dry so, cleaning. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you really want that. And, and this is the right team to do that because of all the professionals that we have. You know, you have Wayno, you have Arenado, you have Goldschmidt, you have Albert, you have Yachty. Uh, and, and, you know, I can tell you another guy, Corey Dickerson has had an impact in that clubhouse because he's been a veteran. He's been around. So you have those guys. Miles Michaelis is another one that are all giving. And that's important because you can run across some teams where a guy said, well, you figure it out like I had to. Right. Compared to these guys, they give you space to grow, but they also are there to be good listeners to make sure you're doing it the right way instead of the way. And that's, I think that's important. I remember watching the captain and Derek Jeter talked about how beneficial that was for him to get called up and that he was the first guy on the top step mm-hmm. in the playoffs mm-hmm. cheering on his teammates because he just felt so ingrained with the organization and it was addicting to him. He wanted to, to be that guy. And I just thought about Jordan Walker. And not only would he have Albert there to observe and to have his counsel, but if this is a team that's capable of making a postseason run, how valuable would that be for his development to experience it? You know, you know here's something. And, and I don't know, maybe because of COVID last year. You remember when we had the one-game playoff and Yepes and uh, Kramer Robertson were on the roster for that one game. 
And maybe that's something they would entertain to just have him be part of that experience. I don't know if they're ready to throw him out there and play, but I think just inhaling this is how we do things here is something that you can certainly take home in the offseason and really try and work on being good at and understanding how clubhouses at the major league level works. But, Claves, I go back to what you talked about in starting his clock in terms of service time. And the Cardinals are cognizant of that. Yes. And they only get to add two players. They two. get to add one position player and then one pitcher, and that's going to be Flaherty. And the other thing, and I know it sounds like it's easy because you have guys like Kramer Robertson on your 40-man, but the Cardinals look at the 40-man differently than we as fans do. And yeah. it, it's probably a pretty tough cut to move, remove somebody from the 40-man to put a guy like Jordan Walker on it. Yeah, you're right. And I, But I think at this point, they've gone long enough to know is this guy really worth us keeping? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, no, you know, and if we really want him, we, you know, we, we can find a way to get him back. And their logic would always also be, well, if he was that important to us, we would have moved him up by now, and we haven't. And you you have a couple of career guys, like Robertson was one of them. Uh, they let him go. He bounced in two other organizations, and now he's back in Memphis. So you, you have those situations that you can kind of massage a little bit. And then there's, you never know, Randy, somebody might have an impingement. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the injury before. of choice this yeah. year. So <laughs> a guy could have an impingement, and all of a sudden yep. you got a spot sure. open. I mean, you just, you just never know. True. Uh, speaking of returning from injuries or injuries in general, what are your expectations for Jack Flaherty? Or do you have any? You know what? I just expect uh, – my expectations is for him to just get to the ballpark, get on the <laughs> mound, and pitch. Uh, I know he wanted to be here this week, uh, but it didn't work. And talking to him and talking to people who saw him, um, they thought he was as good this time out as he's been in a while. Mm. Um, you know, he felt good. But, you know, you ask these guys, everybody feels good. Sure. You know, they, they don't want, he oh, felt man, good the last yeah, time, right? Exactly. He said it was the best he felt in three yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. So this time you have to give the Cardinals credit because he wanted to be here now. They No, you're going to stay because we tried it your way already, right? And it didn't work. So let's do it our way and see where it takes us. So he'll play. He'll pitch against Washington, and that's a team that you want to. You know, if you want to have a, a, a team to pitch against, that it's the Washington Nationals. Mm-hmm. If you're going to come back from from injury, so with that, I think it sets up well, and it really gives your rotation some length. Maybe maybe Miles Michael skips a start. You know, not a bad know, idea. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he skips a start just to get, kind of push his reset button. You know, and Dakota Hudson obviously heard footsteps because he pitched the game of his life his last time out. So maybe with a guy like Flaherty in the rotation and he gives you what you hope, maybe you can give certain guys uh, a, a miss a start. Now, I don't know if we go back to Cincinnati again. Wayno, there's no reason for him to ever go back to no, Cincinnati. Right. But that would be a situation where I say, hey, Adam, why don't you stay, take the kids to school this week? Just do something. Don't worry about going to Cincinnati. Tend to the garden. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think when you have those situations, it gives you a chance to have some breathing room. You have a six-game lead. And my belief is with these teams coming up on the schedule, Cincinnati, uh, the Cubs, Washington, if you play your cards right, you can pick up three more games on Milwaukee. All of a sudden, it's a nine-game lead. And unless Henry Aaron's coming back to Milwaukee, I don't (laughs) think they have a chance to catch the Cardinals because their offense is just so inept. Hey, Klaibs, one of the things about Flaherty, and I hope it was just health that cause his body language. I, I hope that when he showed that frustration on the mound, that it was just frustration mm-hmm. with with his health because I think that's one of the things that 
and they'd love to have Chris Carpenter here to talk to him about that kind of thing. Because when Bob Gibson faced adversity, when Chris Carpenter faced adversity, when Oedo faces adversity, you never know it, know it when they're on the mound. It. You're right. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think you're, you're spot on because, you know, before he had this injury, he never had an injury. In his, he said one me one time, he said, I've never even fallen off a bike. So mm-hmm. when you deal with something for the first time and you, your body doesn't respond like you would, would think because it's never had to do it before, you do get frustrated and you do look around and your body language does show. And uh, I, I think that was it more than anything else. And I think he's had to kind of man up a little bit doing this ordeal because it's something he's never gone through before. Uh, I know Sunday when he found out he wasn't going to be with us on this road trip, uh, he's not happy about it. Didn't want to talk about it. I was like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> we'll talk to somebody else. But but I understood the frustration because he thought he was ready and the Cardinals thought differently. And, and I, I would I would err on the side of the Cardinals on this one because, you know, we as I said earlier, they tried it his way and it didn't work. Coming up, there's a famous Mike Claiborne line, and we're going to get him to repeat it, and we're going to get Uh-oh. him to explain it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I don't know which one that can be. <laughs> we're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And the next to Tyler O'Neill. O'Neill with a high drive out to deep left field at the wall. Goodbye. Drilled the center. Harris back. Dan O'Neill hits good. one a ton. Oh my! Way out of here. Tyler O'Neill on base twice tonight, and O'Neill hits another, his second of the night. Tyler O'Neill is red hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Studio. It's amazing how the Cardinals have had hot players. Goldie all year, obviously, but Arenado wins a player of the month. And now you've got Tyler O'Neill. You had Albert win player of the week a couple of weeks ago. That's what you need to win, too, yeah. guys yeah. that get hot at different times. You're, you're right. Everybody being hot at one time doesn't do you any good. Uh, so you have different guys that carry you through the course of the season. And we're seeing it now. And I guess it's Tommy Edmonds' turn here fairly soon. And we're going to get something out of Dylan Carlson before this is over with. Um, so and that's what you want, and you want a couple of guys starting to warm up right before you get to postseason, and then you just turn them all loose, and we'll see what what happens. And the best thing about this year, you know, Ali has so many options mm-hmm. available to him uh, compared to previous years, where these are the eight we have, and I'm gonna look. No, nah, this is all <laughs> we have. These are the only eight we have, and, and that's the fun thing about this team because he's pushed the right button with a lot of guys, and they've been able to contribute. And you can't win any sort of championship if you don't have all 26 making a contribution at some point yeah. during the season. Andrew Kisner would be a guy like that. He, he's been playing better offensively, and you, you, know, you run him out there. Yachty's defense is keeping him in the lineup, but you know that, that that's what it's all about. It's about the team. Klaibs, Michelle has come up with an acronym for Dylan Carlson. <laughs> CDHG, cold dead hands guy, because Mo said you'd have to pry him out of his cold uh, dead no. hands. So uh-huh. is... Is Dylan Carlson still CDHG? Yeah, I think so. You know, he, what is he, 22, 23? And, you know, trying to learn this game at the big league level can be a little bit of a challenge. And I think that when you have so many people in your ear, um, and we saw Paul DeYoung mm-hmm. talk about that, and when he went to Memphis, he just didn't watch video, didn't look at flow charts or anything, just said, I'm going to try and figure this out. And he did, 
and he was he was reasonably consistent there. Uh, he came back to St. Louis and was hot for a minute. Then all of a sudden, I guess he started looking at video and all the <laughs> other things, and he's back to where he was. But, um, yeah, you know, Carlson, I, I still believe he has a real future with the Cardinals, and I think he'll, he'll be a very important player for, for a few years down the road. Yeah, we look at the snapshot, tend to forget that there's only one 23-year-old outfielder that's been more productive at the major leagues that's in baseball right now, and that's Juan Soto. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, give it time. I mean, because he, he he's a good player. I mean, he he understand. You know, he I, he told me that you know he didn't start playing in Alfie until like his senior year of high school. Really? He said he was a first baseman and a pitcher. And so when the the scouts would come out and they were like, "Hey, this guy's too good of an athlete to be playing first base and pitching," I put him in the outfield. His dad's his coach. Yeah. And so his dad <laughs> his dad said, "Yeah, you're right." So they put him in the outfield, and uh, I think he's done done a nice job out there. I mean, he's different. Than what Harrison Bader played, and I know Harrison, who I enjoy watching play, consider him a good friend. Uh, they played it differently, and you know there are different ways to play center field. And the best example, Kurt Flood, Willie McGee, and Jim Evans all played the center field position differently, mm-hmm. and they were all very good at what they did. So, in, in this situation, give it time, we'll, we'll be all right. He's not killing us. He's, he's not killing the team right now. So as we get ready to close the book on August, we're getting closer and closer to the postseason. People mm-hmm. start thinking about a postseason run. They start thinking about a potential World Series, right? I'm glad you didn't bring up, like, what's going to be our fight song for, for postseason? <laughs> yeah. I, you Plans, know I went to Illinois, so no. We don't think about football <laughs> season at Illinois. So how do you like their team this year? Hey, they're off to a good start. Beat Wyoming. Yeah. 1-0. That's all I can ask for, they right? They went to Wyoming and gave them that, too, right? Well, we'll see what happens. Right. I like Brett Bielma. He's, I think he's a good coach. But as you okay. look at the Cardinals, as they get get ready to gear up for the postseason. What's one reason why you think the Cardinals will make a deep run in the postseason and one thing that concerns you about this team? Pitching is why they can make a deep run. I think uh, the offense, like every team's offense, when you run against good pitching, you know how do you make the adjustment um, from one pitcher to another? And the way the game works now, if you see a guy go through the order twice, you say to yourself, all right, we get this guy out of the game. And I'll give you a good example. Uh, the other night, uh, Spencer Strider, mm-hmm. you know, he was dealing. You get him out of there, now all of a sudden you think you have a chance because you want to get in somebody's bullpen. And I think the question there is, how much is has the bullpen been used? Um, you know, you look at Milwaukee, and Milwaukee thought they had it figured out until their bullpen started to fall apart. So I think it's important now to make sure not only do you make you maintain your starters, But you have to make sure your bullpen doesn't get overworked so when they do get to postseason, they have more bullets left. And and the case in point would be a guy like Andre Pallante, who had never thrown more than 94 innings in his entire professional career. He's already exceeded that now. So what does that mean? Can he fight through it? Will he have a tired arm? Or is he ready to take that next step? So those are some of the little things you have to look at. The offense... I like it better because they don't strike out as much as they used to. Remember how much they used to strike out? Yeah. I mean, it was like, oh, boy. But they don't strike out as much as they used to. Uh, and if you just can eliminate or reduce the amount of strikeouts, and I think you have a chance to go deep. Now, they're going to face some good teams. But the Dodgers, I think everybody thought was like the odds on. But now they have some pitching issues. Uh, Atlanta, as I said, you know, it's the best team I've seen. They're going to make a move because they're going to have to fill the roster. But I just don't see how Marcelo Zuna stays with them at this point, but their pitching is loaded because they have so many former closers in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. So you you have multiple options. You don't have to go to Jan- Jansen every night. So with that said, 
you have them. The Mets are good. I don't think they I mean, after their, their pitching is good, but I don't know if their offense is going to be as consistent as it needs to be. And so, you know, it's going to be fun. I, I think there's no odds on favor like I think we anticipated. Everybody thought it was the Dodgers. I don't think that's the case anymore. A couple of texts. This one from the 314. St. Louis Sports Radio doesn't get any better than having Klaibs on the air. Michelle and I both agree with that. Big time. Great to have you. My girlfriend calling again. Huh? <laughs> as long as I'm out of the house, you don't care what I'm doing. And here's another one from the 314. Since Klaibs is in studio, would he take a request? It's been a minute since I heard his famous two-pound carrot cake line. <laughs> Klaibs is the best. So can you give us the background and how right. that became? Because so, I always have people come up to me when I'm talking about you and they say two-pound. So about 20 <laughs> years ago, maybe longer, I'm at a radio station and I was doing some commercials for Porter Steakhouse over in Illinois in Collinsville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had this this grilled pepper loin steak and I was kind of reading off the menu and I said, and they had this two pound carrot cake. <laughs> and for some reason, somebody ran with that and it's followed me everywhere. I've gone to the point where Mark Walsh, uh, our fine equipment manager, he does it to me all the time. You have players. Players, where's the two-pound? And, and so here's the thing. I don't even like two-pound carrot cakes. I've had people deliver two-pound carrot cakes to me. But it, but I'd go, two-pound carrot cake. And so there's a story. Two-pound so carrot cake. Hopefully the listener is happy that I said, two-pound carrot cake. There it is. There it is. That's, that's, how, that's how it started. It's amazing. It, it was at least 20 you. years ago. At least. Yeah, yeah. At least 20. And, and Porter's is still there. They still do a great, they still serve great meals there. Um, I don't know if two-pound carrot cake is even on the menu anymore. Uh, but no, that's how that guy, whole thing got started. So, Mike Claiborne, one of the things that you and I, as, especially in our advanced age, we like to do is we, we mm. like to have young people ascend. And uh, Michelle tells me on a regular basis how much you have helped her. You two have developed quite a relationship. Yeah, I've always admired Michelle, uh, her work ethic, and you know she's knowledgeable. Um, and just watching her grow. Is is why I'm here, you know, to hang out with her today. And you know, we have some other people in this market that are really ascending. Like Alex Ferrario mm-hmm. is a young man I've known from day one when he was working over with the Blues. And there's some other people that are starting to really, you know, take over and really make a name for themselves. Um, and Michelle's one of them, and I'm I'm very happy for you. I'm very proud of you going going to ESPN, doing a nice job there. Uh, you know, hopefully you'll take our calls when we come to New York. <laughs> of course. You know? uh, I can't talk now, you know, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for you. And I, I think everybody else here is too. So just go have a good time with it. And, uh, yeah, you, you're part of what the future is all about. Thank you. And in anyone's career, there are so many people that help them along the way, but you two specifically have helped me so much, probably more than you even know. Randy obviously has been uh, a friend and a, a mentor and a, a, co-host and has helped me so much along the way but people don't understand that when you get onto the ballpark no one gives you a, a, a rule book or a guide on how to do things you just kind of show up <laughs> and there's this there's this unwritten flow to things that you don't really understand and I remember when I first came home I went down to the ballpark and I was just kind of hanging back and observing and Klaibs came up to me and was like listen I know who you are I know you do good work I'm going to show you how you do things and yeah, the don't fa- sit on the furniture yeah. don't sit in <laughs> the mean, players just, locker or anything like you don't that. know when is appropriate to talk to players you don't know that certain reporters get questions for just all these little nuances that are very important to the flow of how things operate at the ballpark and without you 
taking my hand and guiding me through all of this and 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 also equally as importantly vouching for me and and telling people hey she's she's going to do good work you need to respect her be sure to help her out that helps me more than you will ever know and i can't thank you enough oh uh, well you know what it's fun to watch people grow and have fun with this and uh yeah i'm, I'm happy to be there you know because when randy and i were first breaking in this business I'm not sure if people were as giving, and I don't think it was intentional. I just think that they figured you already knew about it. You were already here, so obviously you knew. Yeah. And I always kind of said I would never let that happen on my watch as far as making sure uh, that I could be helpful to them because, you know, and, and I wouldn't say that. There's some people who haven't earned that. You have. There's, you know, some people that we all know that we're like, you know what, you're on your own. There's nothing I can do for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. But overall, you want to be helpful because you don't want to you don't want to see them make the same mistake maybe you made along the way so right. you know uh and you put the work in for it so that's cool i'm happy for you yep and just in general and i know michelle you're gonna pay it forward too but we did have jack buck and we yeah. had, we had mike shannon and mike it wasn't shannon. just broadcasters people like jim hannafin yeah people like whitey herzog that uh, that helped us out. you're right and just to give you a little example and claves will remember this we had a guy that uh, would come into the locker room at Rams Park, and they had like all their gum and candy set out on a table right in the middle of the locker room. And this guy would, I mean, they'd open the locker room, and he'd make a beeline for that table and just start taking this stuff and putting it in his pocket. Oh my God! I mean, we had some guys, you know, there's some guys. I, you know, I'm even thinking back, going back to Macomb and uh, what was it, Eastern, Eastern Illinois, Illinois, Charleston. Yeah, yeah. And just some oh, of the things some. guys would do, you like. You know, this is their house, not yours. I mean, it's like a guy coming to your house and just going to directly to your kitchen and open up the refrigerator and see what you that. have in there. You know, and yeah, we had some guys, and you just look at him and just say, well, he, he's not going to be here long. <laughs> somebody will escort him out or talk to him. And yeah, we had some people over the years that just, how the hell did you get this job? You know, and but so, so we have some of those guys now. Um, and the term... Somebody gave me the term, and now I use it. They're called hobbyists. Hobbyists. Okay? They okay. just show up, yeah, yeah, and they stand around. They have no real mission there. I mean, they're not really working for a legitimate outlet on a consistent. But they just they got a credential, and here they are. And we, we you know, and and I I give the Cardinals and the Blues and the, when the Rams, they were very kind about credentialing people, just you know, giving the person a chance because some people young in their age. Uh, don't have a, a consistent position, but this is the only way they get experience by being there. Right. But uh, then there's some guys and people that are just hobbyists and they're in the way. And it just <laughs> pisses me off to no end <laughs> that, you know, you have to do it. And you mentioned, you know, like Rick Hummel, if whatever Rick Hummel's there, he always goes first. Right. Okay. And then after that, then we figure it out. We'll, we'll figure out the batting order as far as that goes. But yeah, it, it the business has changed uh, for a lot of different reasons, but um, you know we probably have maybe one too many in it at this point. But you know what? I'm not deciding that. that. That's on somebody else to figure out. One time back in the '80s, Mike and I discovered that Mr. Bidwell, who liked food a lot, <laughs> made sure that he had food that he liked at training camp. Yes. So we made our way to Charleston every, every year. year. Oh, let me tell you something. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, we, you know, Ben Will was in line first, and there was Randy and I right behind him with our trays. Steak and lobster. Oh, serious. no oh, way. We ate like what? it was the Last Supper, truly. Yeah. It was, so, oh, how about my, the time? Wow. So, Ben That Will, was drastically different from what I experienced at Rams Park. Know, we used to have the fish on Friday deal, and I'll never forget, Ben Will would always wear this white shirt, right? And so, there, he had this big plate of fish, french fries, and he had the ketchup. And you know how the ketchup, you know, he, he shook it up thinking the top was on no, there. No. And he shook it up. He, he looked like he'd been shot, all right? He looked like he'd been assassinated. I mean, seriously. I mean, ketchup, I mean, here's his Heinz 57 just running down his chest. And, and Randy and I look at it. We didn't know whether to laugh because the players were like, oh. And then they all realized, wait a minute, that's Bill Bill. That's the owner. He and I, Randy and I were like, hey, he didn't hire us, you know. But he, I'm serious. Literally, a whole bottle of ketchup was just the ketchup. And you know what the, the set? He did everything but dip a French fry in it. And, 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 and <laughs> they had people kind of blot him out, you know, trying to get the ketchup. It didn't phase him at all. Uh, you know, in training camps, then was just so much fun. But Randy was right. You know, players were there to get in shape, and guys mm-hmm. would be having the rubber suits on, trying to lose weight. Not Randy and I. No, no, no. we're going in the other direction. We might leave out of here five pounds over when we got there. We always wore stretch pants because we knew we were going to gain weight. God, there was a little bar, a so former good. pitcher, Marty Patton, wasn't Marty, it? He had a par- yeah, he had a bar right across the street from the dorm. And so 11 o'clock was curfew. And everybody, media, players, we'd all be there. 11.58, that place would be cleared out. It'd be Randy, myself. Hard ball. We we be the only, we don't have anywhere to be tomorrow. You know? we'll, we'll stay. We'll have another. That that and I think that bar's still there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's when it was fun. And Jim Hannafin was the most accommodating oh, coach him. ever. God rest his soul. But those were the true good old days. And that's the one thing I wish young people could experience mm-hmm. today and how those things worked because it was more of a. Uh, a partnership between player, organization, and media. Trust All, level. Yeah, you're right. That was it. The trust level was yeah. one. You couldn't get away with it now because there are too many people who have an, a, another agenda other than actually covering it because, hey, I'm just doing my job. Yeah, okay. We, we've heard that line already. But <laughs> that's when the good old days truly existed, and uh, I'm glad I was part of it. Fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, thanks for stopping by, Klaibs. I think, yeah, I won't <laughs> even tell that story. No, 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 please, no, if you have no, one no, more, no, we need it. I am loving this. I'm trying to think of one I can actually tell on the air. I got one quick one. This goes back to the trust level. Okay. Hanny would have his press conferences after practice at a, a big conference table at Eastern Illinois in one of the dorm room conference tables on the first floor. And he'd smoke a cigarette. So we're <laughs> all sitting there. smoking one. Yeah, yeah. So, right. And we're sitting there one day, and I think it was, must have been 83, because they weren't, they, they hadn't found it yet. He's smoking. Fellas, we got a great group of guys on this team. Don't have a player in the bunch, but we got a great group of guys. <laughs> what, what about the Theotis, the uh, Theotis Browns? Uh, so we have time for a quick yeah. one. Yes, right. we've got we've got time. Right, so football Please. Cardinals, football Cardinals. Uh, we just beat Dallas, oh. and and um, Theotis Brown, who was a very popular player from UCLA, nicest guy you'd ever want to meet, but Hanny didn't like him, and so. The Cardinals had just beaten Dallas, which was very monumental. And people kept asking him, well, you know, Jim, you know, why, why didn't you play Theodos more? 
well, you know, we had this guy playing really well for us. And, you know. So he, he was being very diplomatic about it, right? But you could tell he was starting to wear on him. He's about had enough of it. So Larry Wilson, who was a general manager, called him out of the office. Because the, he would have his press conference in the uh, PR department's, the head guy's office. Not in a broom, in an office half the size of the studio. And we'd all sit around. And so he said, uh, so Larry calls him out. So he goes out, comes back in. All right, where were we? Somebody said, well, Theodos Brown, how come you didn't say, all right, I had enough of this crap. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about Theodos Brown. You have to worry about him anymore because we just traded his ass. All right, anybody else got any questions? <laughs> Took another draw off cigarette. And everybody was like stunned because he just, you know, I don't know why he didn't like him. We all liked him and we, we wanted to know why he, play, why he didn't play. But Jim Hannafin might have been the most colorful coach, manager, he and Whitey, mm-hmm. when you say Randy, two oh, yeah. of the most colorful, lovable people that we've ever had in St. Louis. Yeah, we were lucky. With Ron Caron was maybe the most lovable executive in St. Louis, but uh, Hanny was, you know, he and Whitey tied for first. There's yeah, no and doubt about think it. Think about having Hanny, Whitey, and Jacques Demers all at the same time. Well, well, well Bob Barry, you remember the night? Oh, yeah, Bob Barry. So, Bob, we had these Russians, right? We had, they, well, blues, this is when the Blues were really smart. They drafted three Russians, and none of them could speak English, and we didn't have anybody who could speak Russian, all right? <laughs> so, they had this one guy, Karamnov, Vitaly Karamnov, who only knew one end of the ice, all right? He only wanted to play offense. And so, Barry wouldn't play him a lot. And so this is we were at KASP. It was, this is the first all-sports station. So we carried the press conferences live. We were the first ones to do it because we didn't have anything else to do. So, <laughs> um, so they asked him about Karamnov. And so this was after a game, and Barry had had enough of him. So he was like, they were talking about, how do you like his checking skills? He said, this guy couldn't check his bleeping, had it bleeping walled off Astoria. Just like that. It's, it, we just kind of looked around. I mean, and Barry was like, he was kind of a glib guy. But once you got him going, he was with the best of them. But you couldn't use it because he, he was so unfiltered. So Bob Barry was another hockey guy that was yeah, pretty good. Was but we've had some good ones over the years that uh, I, I was happy to be around and fortunate to have a chance to know. This was fun, sir. Thank you very much. Hey, don't forget Friday night, quick shameless plug, Joe West is going to be with us at the Bullock. Uh, across the street from the the hotel, I mean the hotel, the Lowe's Hotel across the street from the ballpark. He's going to sit in with Ricky Horton and I, and you never know who oh, might great. show. I'm going to see if we can get Wayno to come sit over there. Yeah. That'd be fun. And let him and Joe West talk about balls and strikes a little bit. I would, you know, listen yeah. to that Although forever. Wayno is so secretive. You know, he won't divulge anything. Like ten years from now, you can ask Wayno about a pitch. Why do you want to know that? <laughs> like, like he's coming back, all right? So we got to be careful with Wayne on what you ask him and what you don't ask him. But hopefully we can get him over there with Joe Westville. He'll be there with us on Friday night. Right. Good to see him, man. Thanks. Great seeing you guys. Good luck to you, Michelle. Thank Absolutely. you, Clabs. Right. Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. Maybe you're killing me, Spall, is coming up. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Hey, kids, you can get signed up to play in this year's Fast Lane Pick'em Challenge at 101ESPN.com. 
Make your football picks each week. See if you can defeat the fast lane and the dudes from the Riz Show at 105.7 The Point. The weekly top scorer gets a $50 gift card to Schnucks and a Bud Light prize pack of football swag. The fast lane and Riz Show throwing down all football season long in the Pick'em Challenge. Get signed up to play today at 101ESPN.com, courtesy of Bud Light and Schnucks Rewards. Time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Brewers and Pirates last night. The Brewers ended up beating the Pirates 7-5, but there was an incident during the game that's getting a lot of people talking, guys. So, at American Family Field on the Jumbotron, just like we see here at Bush Stadium, people can send in their well wishes and they'll be flashed on the Jumbotron. So, there were five that were stacked on top of each other. Here are the first three. Happy birthday, Cody, from your birthday buddy, Mel. Happy birthday, Mel, from your birthday buddy, Cody. Happy happy anniversary, Mike and Ronley. And then this one, guys, and I want both of your takes on this. Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Friend zoned on the Jumbotron in front of everyone. Uh. Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Wow. So well, that's that's a bitter pill to swallow for Mark. It is, right? And uh, as I mentioned, the Brewers coming back to win this one. Christian Yelich quote tweeting this, and he said this. Down two in the eighth inning, the dugout looked up, saw this, and said, let's win one for Mark. We got you, man. <laughs> that's very nice of Christian Yelich. Not very nice of the quote-unquote friend of Mark, though. Let's not wreck this. Come on. What would you do if you were at the game with someone you were clearly interested in and then you see on the Jumbotron, let's not wreck this. I'm out of there. I don't I don't see the rally that uh, Christian Yelich, uh, they didn't really have to rally, but I don't see the end of that game. I'm one beer, uh, you know, poor. Let's just put it that way. I, I, I got to buy one extra beer and then get rid of it pretty quickly. Wow. And you know what you say if you're Mark is you just really. say, hey, you just wrecked it. You just wrecked it, didn't you? Or he? You mean uh, as far as their friendship? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't put somebody on blast. First of all, this is a face-to-face conversation. It is not a text no. conversation. No. It is certainly not a jumbotron conversation. Exactly. Right. Shady. That's yeah. That's lame. Petty move. Yeah. You, they're not going to be friends after that. I don't. Think but so. I just have this vision of poor Mark and whoever he's sitting there with, and he gets a glimpse of the jumbotron. Yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. By the way, nice of Christian Yelich. Good, good for him. They won one for Mark. Yeah. So I'm. I hope. I mean, he's a Brewers fan, so I'm assuming the win last night was great. But their situation in general probably not so great. Yeah, you didn't. You you just wanted to watch that. You didn't want to watch the friend zone thing. You didn't want to look at the standings on the board. What do you think is more devastating for Mark? The fact that he got friend zoned on the jumbotron, or that the the Brewers really have no chance of coming back and winning the division? I would. I would say that you have to take a little solace in the fact that she said the friendship meant the world to her, but you get to end it. You get your revenge, right? If Why? Because him. because you get the final say? Yeah, because you get to end the friendship that means the world to her. And not only that, Christian Yelich has your back. Yeah, that's huge. All right. of the brewers have your back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, if I'm a brewers fan, I might be more upset with the standings than I am being friend zoned. Because she's not a good friend anyway. You're killing me, Small. So Randy, Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live tweeted, who do you want to host SNL? Let us know in the replies. And I have a petition. I think Adam Wainwright needs to host Saturday Night Live. Agreed. He, We were at the Big League Impact um, 
question and answer portion of the Fantasy Football Day that was at Bush Stadium. And Adam revealed that he thought one day he would host Saturday Night Live. And after the performance that we saw from him, not only on the mound, but singing songs that he had written, his... Uh, divulging of his pregame routine at slash superstitions. We know how funny and engaging he is. I think that we all need in St. Louis, we do a great job when it comes to all-star voting. We know how to whip the votes. We all need to go to at NBC SNL and we need to get Adam Wainwright hosting Saturday Night Live. Yep, we all need to tweet this. We need to get it out there. We need to get it retweeted. And the baseball writers nationally always talk about how no fan base gets riled up and gets them more response than the Cardinal fan base does. So this is a place where the Cardinal fan base does need to step up and get Adam to host SNL. Hashtag Wayno for SNL. Mm -hmm. At Uncle Charlie 50. I'll tweet it and then we can all reply. Okay, sounds good. You're killing me, Smalls. Big night for Aaron Judge, Randy. The Yankees ended up losing to the Angels, but Aaron Judge with his 50th home run last night. He's the third Yankee to record multiple 50 home run seasons. He joins two pretty famous guys in Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle, and he's the first Yankees player with 50 home runs before September since Roger Maris had 51 in 1961. And has a good chance to set that Yankee and American League record by eclipsing Maris's 61. Got plenty of time left to hit 12 home runs. I'm intrigued by the race and particularly intrigued by how Aaron Judge has kind of changed the game. People are interested now in that 6-7 slugger. And they used to not be because he had too wide of a strike zone. But Judge's athleticism and size makes him such a unicorn. So unique. And he's fun to watch play. I can't wait to see where he ends up. Because I don't know if the Yankees are going to write the check. I think they have to. I don't think they have any choice. Because if he's not your guy... Stanton doesn't play. He, but what about Otani? Didn't Greg Amzinger tell us Otani to the Yankees and they can't keep both? But Otani's not available until after next year. You can't just assume that you're going to get Otani after next year. Unless you get him into trade, I don't think you can do that. Well, maybe new ownership group comes in. They they do the national situation where you got to move your, mm-hmm. your expensive star and capitalize on prospects and other players while you can. I think that that would be a good move. But again, I think that's probably something because they just announced. I'm sure they're down the road with a buyer for the Angels. But I wonder if that would happen early enough for them to be able to pull that off. If I'm the Yankees, I'm keeping Aaron Judge. He's He's been compared to Jeter there. I would certainly keep him too. Yeah. He's a major catalyst to your success. And I know that the expectations here in St. Louis are very high and that the Cardinals haven't won a World Series in a decade and people are clamoring for it. But the Yankees haven't really been good or won in a long time either. And I can't imagine that if they don't win the World Series this year and Aaron Judge isn't in the organization, that that's going to go over real well with the fan base. Yeah, they've won 27 World Championships and haven't been in the World Series since 2009. Cardinals were in in 2011 and 2013. So, yeah, Yankee fans are probably even more entitled, with good reason, but angrier than Cardinal fans are. For sure. You're killing me, Smalls! And finally, Randy, speaking of contracts, it doesn't seem like the contract negotiations are going super well with Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And reminder, he is his own agent, so he is representing himself, which is a rarity in sports, but he took to Twitter to give a little insight into how things are going. So there were some tweets. Someone said, so Lamar Jackson is a league MVP and he still hasn't broken the bank at Ravens. You're on the hot seat. Give that man the $250 million guaranteed before you write a check that you can't carry.
cash. Someone else responded, he wants more, and they already offered that. Lamar replies, no, they didn't. <laughs> so, for him. So we know that they haven't offered him $250 million. And then, Randy, someone had tweet, someone named Will had tweeted, you can come cry in a Miami Dolphins uniform. Tears of joy when we host the Lombardi. And there's a photo of Lamar Jackson photoshopped into a Miami Dolphins jersey. And guess who liked it? Lamar, Lamar. Jackson. There we go. That's a good move. That's Lamar a- to Miami confirmed? Yeah. I'm going to be really happy if the well, answer, if the answer to the question who liked it would have been Tyreek Hill, I would have been so happy. No, that I want Lamar make, to make, like it. That would be hilarious to we me. We want Lamar and his representation, who is also Lamar, to be liking tweets sending him to the Miami Dolphins. No? I like a lot. Wing ding tonight over at the factory. And all you need to do is just go to the factory website if you want to get tickets and test, taste some of the great wings in the St. Louis metro area. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, Matthew. Pleasure. And Michelle, this was fun. It was so fun. And a huge shout out to Mike Claiborne for joining us in studio. That was a blast, Randy. I could listen to you and Claibs tell stories all day long. We've got a few. <laughs> you two should write a book. Oh, man. I would be on the pre-sale of that so quick. You have no idea. Be Bestseller. Hey, we got T-Mac and Ajax coming up with a balloon party. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. Doopow, carrot cake. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In With Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.